This week's episode of Here's What I Don't Get is brought to you in part by Pod Fading. Pod Fading, the thing that lesser podcasts do because they're not manly enough to admit that they've lost. Welcome back to Here's What I Don't Get from North to South, East to West, the only intercontinental podcast to tackle all of life's toughest issues and the longest consecutively running podcast on the See You Next Tuesday podcast network. I am your host, Tab Burt, in the lovely season of fall, and with me calling from spring in the Southern Hemisphere, Joel Chaco! Hola, me enchada! Hey, Tab, I, uh, I appreciate all that you have had to do to make this uh, work under the circumstances. Our other sponsor for today's show is Ande, the National Power Supply for Paraguay. And Signal for the show right off the bat. Exactly. (laughs) And Signal for kicking it in. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Signal, the app that that just keeps on going. And, you know, actually, dude, you you brought up – I think I was listening to, the, was it the episode with Tony when you brought up about how adding, was it Tony or Tim that you uh, brought up uh, that once you added them to our signal group, uh, the, the, the chatter kind of died down. Did it, did it not? It did. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, we don't really <laughs> well, post as much stuff anymore. They're really not as active as you, me and Buck. So I, I'm trying to bait Tony so bad and it just ain't working. You know, I keep throwing out <laughs> Italian jokes. I'm like, I'm doing all types of stuff. You're, you're, you're telling me all that, you know, stuff about uh, his ex, his other co-host was going to come on tonight and stuff like that. And I keep trying to bait somebody into a response and it just ends up just you, me and just you, me and Buck like old times. So uh, I don't mind so much, but uh, yeah, man, uh, how you been for, well, I mean, I get to keep up with you via the, via the episodes of the show and, and uh uh, actually, I have had more opportunities to keep up with the show than normal um, because I have had to make four trips to the capital and back in the last couple of weeks here um, uh, with my truck that keeps on screwing up and breaking down. Uh, I have a buddy of mine, our first guest to ever come down to uh, Casa de Chaco down here, Um uh, my buddy, uh, Jason, who is the Monstro Americano, he was our champion uh, wrestler on Luchando. He came down for a couple of weeks and uh, I went to go and pick him up. And I got about about five minutes from the entrance of Asuncion and my truck broke down. So I messaged him. He came with an Uber and we waited for my mechanic to arrive. And he said, you know, in typical Paraguayan fashion, he said, uh, I'll be there in like five minutes. So three hours later, my mechanic shows up and uh, he actually uh, fixes our vehicle enough with his, with his buddy. They turned out there was some bad, some, some bad diesel fuel that like uh, a lot of the, you can't just trust any gas station here. <laughs> if, you just, if you just use any, any uh, diesel fuel or any kind of thing like that, you'd never know which gas stations got like, you know, truck drivers that are supplying it with like bad gas or, or, you know, like, you know, when like kids, like not kids, but teenagers, 
you know, they skim a bit of their parents' alcohol and then they try to refill it back up with a little bit of water. Yeah. And then over time, there's more water than there is alcohol. Yeah. See, I think that there's a bunch of Paraguayan like gas tank truck drivers that are kind of pulling the same garbage, but like, you know, with, with gasoline instead of alcohol. So, so it turned out that my, my truck had uh, a lot of gunk in it, a lot of, um, a lot of water in the, in the engine and it kept cutting out. So they had to, the, the, the mechanic and his assistant, we had to go to the, to the Mahindra uh, dealership to get the, a new gas filter and he had to ride the brake the whole time just to keep it going. So basically every stoplight, he'd have to like keep on the brake, but then like rev the engine just to like not have it cut out. And so he gets the, ga- the gas filter fi- fixed. They leave. We high five. Everybody's happy. And I go and I drive out of the uh, parking lot. And suddenly I don't have really good brakes. My brakes are really soft as butter. <laughs> All of a sudden uh, we get to the mall. I'm thinking it's going to be okay. We're not sure if I can make it home or not. And all of a sudden, not only are my my regular brakes not working, but my emergency brake also doesn't work <laughs> at the Holy same shit. time. So, yeah. So I'm in Paraguay in traffic with no brakes and a truck that's like cutting out every five seconds. And so, I, of course, I pull over. I call the mechanic up again. And like, this is the nice thing about Paraguay is like, you know, mechanics, veterinarians, doctors, they still make like house calls. So the guy like comes back out, he figures it out, fixes it on the spot. We drive back. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. Everything's happy. But like I had this falling out with another friend uh, earlier. Well, actually the day before who was supposed to be the one that was supposed to pick my, my buddy up. And uh, so I ended up having to drive him back. So I drive him back. And as we're driving back, I get the same problem again with my engine. And uh, it's cutting out, cutting out, cutting out. And I'm like white knuckling it all the way. So basically every stoplight, my engine cuts out. I have to like turn it back on again. Every, every time I want to make a turn or anything like that, like I, I slow down to under like, you know, under 10 miles per hour and all of a sudden, boom, out goes the, uh, the engine. And so uh, we, we take it back to the mechanic actually to his shop. And he, he keeps giving me the Paraguayan like, yeah, just another half hour. We'll have it ready. Just mm. another half hour. We'll have it ready. And so <clears throat> Five hours later, <laughs> after five hours of sitting in this guy's office, he gets it fixed enough for me to safely get back to the farm. So I get it back to the farm and uh, we book an appointment for me to come back and drop it off with him. I was going to rent the car and drop it off with him for enough days for him to like really fix the thing. So I get back home and then it comes time for me to go back to town to to take take the truck back. And I I. I'm about an hour and a half away from the, from the city, an hour and 15 minutes away from the city. And it starts having that same problem again. So an hour and a half of my engine almost cutting down every time I have to slow down. And I don't think I've had a, a more stressful drive in my life without snow. I've had some really stressful snow drives in my life, but this one, this one took the cake because Paraguay driving is bad enough on its own. But like with a truck that keeps on dying every time you like have to go down to like the first gear, uh, it that was hands down the most brutal thing ever. So I dropped it off with them. I rented a car uh, for a few days so they could work on it. And it was nice because I had this little tiny little Kia Picanto, uh, this like tiny little hatchback thing. And compared to my big giant truck, it was just like a complete, you know, complete mindfuck. 
uh, you know, cause I'm used to like, you know, scaring people and moving them out of the way and, and all that kind of stuff. But with this like little clown car that I was driving around, it wasn't, nobody was moving out of the way and, and it was like driving a golf cart everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, that was my, that was my thing. They finally got it fixed. Thank God it's back at my house now. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully that's the end of it. But, uh, it, it's just a reminder to me that I probably would, I'm probably going to need a new vehicle really soon. <laughs> And uh, I can't rely on this thing, but uh, yeah. So, how was your week? Uh, did you did you have any any car troubles of your own or any uh, work troubles at all? Well, it's funny you mentioned cars. Um, are you familiar with Ken Block? Ken Block is yeah. that like a YouTuber? Or? Yeah, he's a, he's a rally racer. He does YouTube's, um, and his channel Hoonigan has done these videos called Jim Con after the last few years. And I got into them when Tim mentioned it. We were talking about like new 4K content and uh, the Jim Conna mm-hmm. files were on Amazon. It was like right after I'd gotten my, my 4K TV and I wanted something that was really going to like look cool. And um, so it was basically, it was like a documentary series about the making of Jim Conna 10 and they, where they filmed in all these different areas and, and the series is gorgeous and the final video is gorgeous. And it's just a guy who's like an expert driver driving in ways that you never thought were possible. And they released a new video this week. And, uh, earlier this year or late last year, Ken block left Ford performance and partnered with Audi. And now all of his shit is Audi. And, they made this new vehicle for him, the Hoonatron, which is the Audi e-tron platform souped up <laughs> and it's an electric car. And so they made electric Kana that was the first Jim Kana film filmed at night, but there are sections of Jim Kana 10 that are filmed at night where they took the, they took the tires off of the rims and spun around shooting sparks. And it was awesome. And it's like, I'm not supposed to remember that. That was like three <laughs> years funny. ago. And so I watched this. <laughs> yeah, I watched this new Electricana film and um, it was cool. Ken drives like a motherfucker. Um, it was the driving was great. The cinematography was great. The location was interesting. Um, the car is nice looking. But the whole video sounds like an RC car going. Cause there's none of the like oh. vrooming and gear changing it or any of the things that make yeah. me think of motorsports. Electric cars. Yeah. Electric cars are missing like that major component, you know, that, 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 oomph, you know, like that, uh, uh, that, uh, you're looking for. Cause I, I, I remember somebody was saying that about electric cars, about how they're almost like more dangerous on the road because like pedestrians can't hear them. Yeah, is, is something like that. Here in America, they're now required to have pedestrian alert systems that I, I below a certain speed they make this sound, and some of them you can customize the sound. But uh, one of the things I've always liked about about the Jim kind of f- films, I guess you'd call them their their YouTube videos, basically, is that they don't put music over them. It's just the sound of the car. It's the sound of the engine. It's the sound of the tires. It's the sound of the gear shifting mm. and, the, and the braking. And it's like a, the visceral sound. And to me, that makes it more exciting than every car chase I've ever seen in any movie. And in this one, I was like, there's that, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, when the mummy came out in with Tom Cruise in like 2015 or 2016, they released a trailer mm. where they had taken out some of the audio files and so it was just 
like a couple of weird things and the whole trailer like loses its meaning without those sounds. And I, this, it felt like this video, they had forgotten to turn on the track that had all the engine sounds. I would, I'd be curious to see someone like go in and add the vrooms from a V8 into this and see if it, yeah. see if it's like more exciting. <laughs> Make it, yeah, if, it, if it provides that extra testosterone boost, yeah. uh, you know, just by listening, it sounds like it's like ASMR for, for, for car files, uh, yeah. when, you know, the other one, not this electric one, but do, do you, you, you bringing up, uh, films and stuff like that. Do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite car movie? Uh, not, not off the top of my head. No, I love, I mean, gone with 60 seconds is the first one that comes to mind, but I, it's not even like a favorite okay. favorite. Um, yeah, I don't think I have a favorite car movie. Have you seen Vanishing Point? I have not. Oh man, you got to see Vanishing Point. <laughs> it's a it's a classic, and it'll make you want a Dodge Challenger so bad. <laughs> it's funny, like uh, my see, I grew up. I wasn't a big major car guy, but I had car guy like a car guy dad, and I had car guy uncles. And uh, they define car movies based on the car that it's based on, right? So, like for example, you know, like these, like there was that re that redo uh, that that reboot of the French Connection, I think it was not that long ago, and it was all like with like Aston Minis, right? Mm. And then like um, Bullet, the movie Bullet, that one was like Ford Mustang movie, yeah. Um, but like Vanishing Point, man, that that's that there's Dodge Challenger territory. And, and, and when you, when you want like the sound of a motor and, and just like pure adrenaline, that movie's got it. I mean, it's, it's missing a lot of plot. stuff. <laughs> the plot is pretty simple. It's basically, you know, a guy takes a bet to like drive from, I think it was like from like Denver to like Los Angeles. I, I think it was Denver to Los Angeles in like this, like ridiculous amount of like short amount of hours to get there or something like that. Oh, I don't, um, but now, now you mention it. I don't know why I didn't think of this before. The greatest car movie of all time is smoking the bandit. Oh, Hey, you know what? That is a really good movie. Yeah. No, good call. Good call. And it, what was the car in that one? That was, it's a that 1974 a, uh, uh, Pontiac Trans Am, but it's not even really the Pontiac at 74 because they took a 73 and they put the 74 facade on it and the livery, but it's, it actually, that the car that he drives doesn't exist. They had three of them. And by the end of the movie, it was like held together with duct tape and just barely, barely made the last few shots of that film. Oh, geez. Okay. Okay. But, Ultimately, I mean, like if we're going to go by real cars, but if we're going to allow for fictional cars, the greatest car movie of all time is Death Race 2000, the original. Oh, with <laughs> Have David you seen Carradine? the original Death Race 2000? Yes. <laughs> have you seen this? Um, no, I don't think I have. I think I've only seen the reboot that was from like 2007 oh, that or something. Count. That doesn't count. <laughs> and also, too, since you were trying to sell me on Rhinestone, see, Death Race 2000, yes, it has David Carradine. But it also has a young Sylvester Stallone, like, oh. like really early in his career. And, and the movie is fantastic. It's just, it's like top to bottom, fantastic movie. You know, uh, uh, um, uh, a death race in the, in the future where they get points for hitting pedestrians based on their like age and demographics. You can't beat this movie. It's fantastic. But speaking of movies, um, maybe would this be a good time to uh, – fulfill fulfill my obligation of uh of what we were able to or for, or for um 
Godzilla. That's right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Gabbing About Godzilla. I'm your host, Tab Burt, and with me today, in rare form, Joel Chaco. Welcome, welcome to the show, Joel Chaco. Your first appearance on Gabbing About Godzilla. Yes, thank you for inviting me on. You know, I I I, I minored in film and media studies, and I never thought to, that I would truly be able to uh, uh, apply. I applied that which I've learned about the craft of filmmaking uh, to, to such such cinema uh, uh, cinema greats as as the Godzilla film franchise. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate it. Well, let me ask you: We ask this of all the guests on Gavin about Godzilla. What is your experience level with Godzilla prior to watching this film? <clears throat> um, okay, so I saw. I want to say, like when I was a little kid. I saw like back when there was like a little video rental place in the strip mall by my house. Uh, I think I remember, I remember the poster vividly of, I think Godzilla 1985. Oh God. And, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. And, and so we rented it as a kid and see the thing about Godzilla movies is, is that like when you're a kid, you think they're going to be like just awesome monster movie all the way through but they're not, <laughs> they, there's, there's like a lot of talking and, and stuff. So when you're a kid, you're, you're expecting the like monster stuff and it takes a while. And so you, you know, they're good for like birthday parties and stuff where like you put it on and then you come back to it. <laughs> when yeah. There's fights happening. Um, but, uh, so that was my, so I've, I'd seen that when I was a kid and it, that was the only memory that it left on me was the poster and, like not enough monster, but like there was some monster parts. And then when I was older, I think like when I was in university, I think once we rented the original, original Godzilla, which is awesome. And then, um, and then I saw the, uh, the like terrible Matthew Broderick to, to, was that? 1998. 1998. Okay. Yeah. 1998 got that movie. Which was not great. And that ends my, oh, my, see, my brother got into a Godzilla phase. So he would put on some of them sometimes and he would have it on in the background, but like he'd tell me which one he was watching. And at the time I couldn't care less. So, so this was like <laughs> coming at it with like fresh eyes and like, I didn't know what to expect. So, so maybe kind of tell the audience which one we are reviewing and then we could kind of go into that i guess yeah so we're reviewing 1992's godzilla versus mothra not to be confused with 1963's mothra versus godzilla this is uh the high <laughs> sea era of godzilla um they kind of rebooted in 1985 ignoring all of the previous uh they the, the original exists 1985 exists and then all the ones we've reviewed so far have existed and uh, so we we both watched this separately. We have not discussed it beforehand. Um, nope. Joel, what is your just like overall opinion on the movie? It was bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> it was bizarre. 
Um, I, it's just, it's funny because we broke it up. Like my wife and I have a difficult time these days of actually getting through a full movie in one sitting. And I wanted my wife to watch it with me. And like, let's, to be fair, my wife falls asleep in almost every movie, but like this one, like she was keeping it going for a little while. And I, I was entertained. Like I wasn't, I, I, I mean, I wasn't loving the movie, but I was entertained, uh, for, for, for it. And then, but like, because I broke it up into two separate halves and I'm just going to call it like the caterpillar half and the moth half. Does, <laughs> I mean, you've seen the movie that makes a little bit more sense, but like, yeah, I saw it pre metamorphosis and post metamorphosis across two separate days. And, um, I still don't know what to make of it. And I, I'm fully, I'm fully open to discussing the merits of this film, but there was, you have to tell me this cause you've seen how many Godzilla movies now? Like, like you, you've seen quite a few, right? No. Okay. So four. Oh, okay. So, so this is the thing I don't understand is like, like, are they meant to be cheese ball or are, are they, are they taking themselves seriously? Cause we were talking about rhinestone earlier today and like I was talking about like movies that take themselves seriously and movies that don't take themselves seriously. I don't know what to because it's a Japanese culture. I don't know what to make about Godzilla movies. Like, are they taking themselves seriously or is everybody kind of turning a blind eye and going, it, you know, every time that Godzilla is like walking through water, it looks like a dude walking through like a bath. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, so that's like that's a, turbulence in the water. That's a good question. Um, my overall opinion of this movie is pretty much the same. I watched this with Truckin' and Tuckin' and Tim the Handlebreaker um, when I was in Tulsa this weekend, and we had a good time watching it, but we kind of had a good time in spite of the film. And uh, I, did, yeah, okay. I did a little bit of research when um, while we were watching, kind of find out more about it. They were, during the High Sea era, during the original Showa era, they were trying to make, like, serious mm -hmm. films. During the High Sea era, they... Um, the, they realized that women and children were a big demographic for film goers. And so they started making movies with more towards that audience. So that's why they added like the romance subplot in this and the kid and they start adding kids and things. So I think that these movies are supposed to be like less serious and more kind of mindless entertainment, which contradicts right. itself it's because the movie mindless. has this huge climate change like a warning yeah. ever present in it that just made me want to roll my eyes out of my own head. Well, it was a lot of predictive programming, right? Like it was just like, cause like my wife and I have gone through a lot of like these, like over the top environmental, like beat you over the head movies um, that have come out in the last few years, like Soylent Green mm -hmm. or um, there was another one's like zero point growth or something, something zero growth, something there's a bit, a whole bunch of these. And they just like, just like they're evangelical. They beat you over the head with this message of like, we are the worst. We're killing the planet. But this one was so ham fisted. Like it was like just shoved in there, but like, not like justified in any way. And there's this like Godzilla lore that I'm not, see, I'm, I'm still not familiar with. Cause it's like, it's like, there's this weird thing about like, cause like Godzilla keeps coming back in this, in this world, this world they've created. And so it's almost like they're not like shocked by him anymore. They're like, Oh yeah, that's right. By where near Godzilla is. And here he comes again. You know, like nobody's like freaking out that much. Like, it's kind of like they're all past that. I don't, I don't know, but it's funny. You mentioned about the love story. Like 
it took like half the movie for us to be like, oh, like because like at first, so like the 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 you know the main guy, uh, what's his name? Did you get the names of the characters? Oh, that's like, that's the thing. So to jump into our like segments of reviewing the movie. Um, sure. as, as with all Godzilla movies, the characters in this film do not matter at all. They're not at all. They're, I, they're easier to describe by like what their function of the plot is. I'm sure like, I know they have names, but they're all like stupid Japanese names that I can't pronounce or can't <laughs> keep track of. And so you just had like, we were, we were calling him Hiroshima Jones. <laughs> yeah. The, I was going to say he's like Indiana, Indiana, <laughs> Japan. Like it was like, we were coming like, we were. We, we, he was the Indiana Jones knockup, but only for like the for first like five minutes. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's like, and, and how much did they spend on that sequence alone? Like that, that probably ate like at least a third of the budget with the like disappearing floor and like lasers and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the, and then you had, you had suit guy, the guy who wore a suit into the jungle for fucking no reason. You had, uh, <laughs> ex-wife laney you had okay the lady thing the ex we didn't know she was his ex-wife because they kind of played it off like you know that they didn't know each other at first but then Mm -hmm. they did and it was like oh it's his ex-wife and it was like oh crap they also have a kid like so he's like a deadbeat dad (laughs) it was like (laughs) yeah it's like yeah there's our hero everybody (laughs) it was so like when, like you said, the, the kind of the feeling you have as a kid where it's about these people and you don't really care about the people you just like, let's get to no. the, the monster fights. That's why we're here. But it's odd because when I watched Godzilla versus Kong, my reaction was exactly the opposite where that movie was just wall to wall monster fights. And so it just became like white noise. So <laughs> there's gotta be so a balance. It's a, it was a pendulum swing. Uh, that went to well then, then that's a funny thing it's like going back to like this over the top you know Gaian, uh you know environmental captain planet message that was going on with it we also had this like hardcore weird like conspiracy theory tartaria uh pagan lore uh backstory for mothra that kind of went nowhere with these weird like um you know the like the, the, the exposition fairies we called them the the cosmos <laughs> those little two just yeah. women that like they just like they don't act like I don't I don't even and we'll get to those in a they, they just they just <laughs> stare into the camera and sing weird songs and I just yeah, kept going like stop singing stop singing <laughs> this movie could be ten minutes <laughs> shorter if you stop singing would it have killed the the distributor to I, I get it like you can't dub a song very easily could would it have killed you to throw in the subtitles because I figure there was probably some like, you know, major important stuff being said in those songs because they kept singing them. <laughs> there must have had some importance whatsoever. No. And they kept on doing the like slow high, like the slow patty cake game, you know, like where they keep, you know, like but without looking hands. at one another. <laughs> yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> it, it was very creepy. And they, well, the, yeah, those characters exist to basically just give Mothra's motivations to the audience. And, then I guess explain why like Mothra casts a sigil seal over the ocean to lock uh, Godzilla and Batra up in the ocean for the end of the movie, which is like, I can go look at this at the Wikipedia page and be like, how many Godzilla movies are there? 40. Uh, he's coming back out of that. There's going to, that's the, so that's the thing to, to jump into plot. This movie, an asteroid lands for space. It lands near Godzilla because of course it does. 
That yes. frees Godzilla from his sleep that he went into at the end of the last film. And it also lets out the Batra thing, which looks like a monster from Power Rangers. And when, when it actually shows on the screen, half the time it's like, you know, coming through the water or it's coming across the ground and a bunch of rubbles going everywhere mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like it was hard to see Batra until the end. Which was kind of cool in that, there was there left like a mystery as to like what the hell is this thing, but it also yeah, it'd be cool if it was a good reveal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't realize that it was a worm, like until at one point in the movie, it just like changes into a big moth thing, and I'm like, where the hell did yes. that come from? <laughs> well, that's what I meant by my meta, meta pre metamorphosis and post metamorphosis portion. Like it was like. Like for the first half, I was like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's Mothra. They keep saying that's Mothra, but it doesn't look like a moth. Oh, it's going to it's going to it's going to change later. That's yeah. going to be the big reveal. And, and then when it when it does change <laughs> later, it looks like a 1970s like macrame. <laughs> like the color skin looks like like a shag carpet on top of it. It's like orange and brown and beige. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no. Like something that. I want to touch. I want to touch on Mothra's transformation because it might be the funniest thing I've ever seen in the history of film. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mothra, we'll we'll get to that. Mothra, like, so they through a bunch of circumstances, they end up in the same city, and Mothra like climbs through the city and destroys the city, and then like perches itself on City Hall, and just (laughs) comes into space, just come everywhere. And we were losing it. We were losing it because we were joking that it was going to come. And then and then it's like rears up on the side of that building. And I wish we were if we were on StreamYard, I'd be playing the clip because there's no way to really capture how insane this is. But it, it goes on it's for a like, long time. Yeah. It's just like imagine how uncomfortable it would be if like like a Spider-Man movie involved spider-man just like silently calmly spraying his web into the sky at nothing for like a solid three minutes second three minutes about three minutes just just but like but like in slow motion (laughs) i i was like like, it falls back down why is this not a gif on the internet? Like when December 1st hits, it's, it's no fat November me on November 1st. And then the fucking, the Mothra just blowing it into the sky. But then it, it, it gets even better because Mothra is like blasting into the sky. And then there's a hard cut to the, you're looking at two Japanese men like sitting in chairs and there's a TV kind of intruding into frame and they sit stock still for about 10 or 15 <laughs> seconds, just staring at the TV. What? And that was where we had to pause the movie. We were laughing so hard. <laughs> and so then I was like, I, I, I so want this to be a, a meme format where it's like a TV, a cutout of a TV, you put something on the TV and then below yeah. that are the two Japanese men just sitting there and trucking and tucking started sending Tim and I these images, this, this, today actually and like one of them was all these priests like it's the the all the black guys and the white girl but it's all these priests line up and a little boy and then the two japanese men watching the tv oh no (laughs) there's one that's the 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 chick twerking from she hulk and then the japanese guys watching it and i'm just like this is this is beautiful this is art uh it was it, it was 
mind-boggling. And so then, yeah, Mothra comes out and it's this like shag carpet puppet thing. Yeah. It, 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 I, again, like I'm watching this going like, was there a time where people took these seriously? I can't take this seriously, man. Like these things are more animatronic than like a, like an outdated Chuck E. Cheese restaurant. Like it's like it, it, the movements are so gimmicky and fake. And the other thing is, is that like, it's funny you bring up like we're, we're talking more about Mothra because like Godzilla's barely a side character in this movie. Like he's, he just kind of shows up because like he's the franchise, but like, you Mothra's know, he shows up. Well, Mothra like converts Batra and then both of them attack Godzilla and then they – like the funniest thing was them carrying Godzilla out to the ocean together. Like they're teaming up, right? And, and like Godzilla's like, no, no, but he's not thrashing or anything because it's like a big rubber suit. Like I don't get Godzilla at all in terms of like emoting. Like I'm again, are we supposed to be afraid of him? Is he on our side? Is he – because they didn't react as if like, oh, shit, Godzilla's back. They were more like – and and now Godzilla's awake. Okay. <laughs> now we know he's awake. And like, meanwhile, like, okay, so suit guy, he takes those like two little mini girls and his first thing is like, he takes them back, like captured back to his boss. And the boss is like, we can make lots of money off of these girls. Like, and we're going to make them a, a dollhouse or something like that. And he's like trying to play off like that, uh, you know, the, the, like the capital, the evil capitalist angle. Yeah. Is, is like, you know, thick in there. And it's just like, <sighs> it's just, just so much eye rolling in that movie. And I, and I mean, I want it like the, again, like what ultimately like, looks like, so Indiana, Indiana Jones, uh, stand in, like, what was these? Like they didn't do anything. Like they literally, like they did no purpose. Like what they find Mothra's other egg. Other than bringing, they, and they brought the Cosmos girls to the to the windows so they could sing to Mothra. Yeah. And that's about it. That's all they did. And a- after after that, like the only thing they did was like you know, he just proved himself to be a, like a kind of shitty father. <laughs> but now <laughs> he's going to be a good father. So and he's like, had a character arc, which is uh, apparently all you uh, need in a film that's like all this. We yeah. Yeah, we needed to learn. We needed to learn from this one, and. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so breaking down the good movie thing, you, you you gave me a list of the categories that you use. Yeah, to they're determine my my five my five categories of like what makes a film good or bad. And so we've talked about character. We've okay. talked a little bit about plot. We've talked a little bit about design. Yeah. Um, as far as like Mothra being a shag rug. Also talking about design, I want to I want to say one of the good parts <sighs> of this movie in design is there are a couple of sets yes. with the Cosmo girls where they like yeah. made big stuff for them to sit on. And that was clever when it was just them. It was like, man, that is, that is some good thinking. This looks good. But then they would like superimpose them inside the box and <laughs> it would just yeah. look stupid again. It really bad. But like, okay. So for example, like, um, cause there's a lot of heavy product placement in this movie. Like for example, like, like Namco, Definitely had a hand in it. Oh yeah, and then, and then there was like, but my favorite part about the Cosmos characters because they're mini, so I don't know if we've really truly established that they're like little, like like fully grown women that can stand in tiny. your hand. Yeah, yeah, adorably so. And um, 
or at least that's what the director wanted you to think. And then the so there was this one sequence where they're there, and to kind of give you uh, an aspect ratio, like sorry, uh, 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 and like to give you an idea how small they were, they they put in the background like a canister of film. Like uh, like a Kodak, like not a Kodak film thing, but it was like a, it was Fuji a film. canister of Fuji film or something like that. And yeah. I, I was like, "Well, that's that's well done. That that works for me." But actually, when it comes to design, again, watching the movie over two separate evenings, um, the first evening, like so, a lot of the action sequences in the first part took part in the day. Yeah, and like. The, this movie had a real tough time about like day and night sequences, like keeping them straight. But like the first, so everything that was in the day looked like really corny. Like, like, like the city doesn't look like a city. It clearly looks like something like my kid put together that they could like, you know, block, like building out of blocks. Like nothing looked at all realistic at all. But once it became nighttime and you brought up about, Mothra turning into a, um, turning into a, like his cocoon basically. And then spraying all over the place. It was a cocoon. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, a cocoon. Uh, and, and then basically, <laughs> uh, when, when that, when the, basically when the nights, when the nights kicked in, the night kicked in, it looked way better. Like the fights looked better. The, the 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 lighting looked better. It looked more realistic. I could buy in. I, I could buy in a little bit more once it was nighttime in the movie. But yeah. like before that, when it was daytime, like when they're in the ocean, it looked so stupid. Like it just looked so. Like it was basically Godzilla's walking around with like water that comes up to his waist, and then like and then he's thrashing around with like a floating wrapped thing. It just looked so dumb. <laughs> and and it's like I again like how big am I supposed supposed to think that this Godzilla is like uh, how deep out into the ocean are they? Cause this like, even if he's like, you know, big as a building, that's not that deep. If he's only up to waist high. <laughs> so yeah, you, would I don't think, know. you would think Godzilla standing, you know, if he's as tall as a skyscraper, that's 90, a hundred, 200 stories. Uh, yeah. You would think that even standing in the ocean, he'd have to be pretty close to the, to land in order for like his waist up to be visible. And it's not, exactly. they're like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. They're in the middle. Of, and like, we've established that early on by like when Godzilla wakes up, like it's like, there's some funny underwater fight sequences oh, that kind of sort of take place. Yeah. They're like in, outside the Manila and they fight next to like the continental shelf and Batra buries <laughs> Godzilla into the, the magma and that whole thing. Yeah. They're just like, they're superimposing bubbles over clearly two dudes <laughs> fighting on a set. It, oh, yeah. it looks so bad. I, Tim and I were talking about, and, and trucking a second, we were talking during the movie that, None of these movies yet have have looked as good as Return of Godzilla from 1985. And I didn't think about it until you were talking just now. But Return of Godzilla set the entire um, sequence with Godzilla at night. And they had this miniature city. And right. I think they were using really good lenses to really enhance the look. And, and yeah. this one, it was like, I, 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 we had a fun time watching it. But it wasn't necessarily a good movie. Well, and like, so like there's that, 
so, okay, <clears throat> one of the greatest movie experiences of my entire life was the first time I ever saw Jurassic Park, right? Like it, it, it always, to me, that like was like the pinnacle of like theater experiences. I was the right age. I was with my best friend. Um, we ran into two girls from our school that like we both had crushes on and they sat next to us for the whole movie. Uh, I got to make like a really cool quip in the movie. Like basically you've seen the original Jurassic park. They, yeah. they, there's a sequence where the kid gets zapped off of the fence and this guy in the theater, like yelled out like, Oh, come on. He would have died. Right. Like something like that. And like, without missing a beat, I don't know what came over me, but I just shouted out, yeah, and there's a bunch of dinosaurs on an island in Costa Rica, buddy. And the whole theater just started laughing at this asshole. Uh, and, and it was like the, ba- the best thing ever. But like what I always remember was like my friend's, my friend's mom came to pick us up after the movie. And we had to wait like a long time. She was really late. And we kept on playing, the, you know, like we were pretending we were running away from the dinosaur and doing the whole thing of like running away and then like kicking the other guy so that the, so he would fall and the dinosaur would come and get him. And, and so I always, when I watch the Godzilla movies, I think about how fun it would have been to have been an extra, you know, like when they're running away and doing all this stuff. But there's, they could have done something better to mesh the running away with like the, the monster coming through that would have made it look a little, a little more realistic. I don't know, just something like green screen, something, I don't know. Like they could have done something more to make it look like the, they were actually running away from the monster. Whereas generally speaking, it would be like they're running away and then it cuts to the monster and then you can't see any movement of any people anywhere on the set where the, where the monster is. Then it cuts back to the people and then it cuts back to the monster. So you don't feel like they're, in the same room, the same vicinity. Did, did you kind of notice the same thing or no? Yeah, no, we noticed that too. And in a lot of the shots of the crowds, like running, they will be like the, the paid extras will be like running down a flight of stairs or, or running down the street or whatever. And then there'll just be a guy like shopping that was not part of the movie. <laughs> and we just be like, look at that yeah. guy. That guy's not running. <laughs> Everybody else is like, yeah, we got to get out. Godzilla's coming. He's like, nah, there's some deals on some Nikes. I'm going to go ahead and get. It's funny you mentioned Jurassic Park because uh, this this movie is the most commercially successful Godzilla film of all time, even coming close to beating Jurassic Park in Japan when it was released in 1992. Yeah. This movie. This movie. Most successful Godzilla movie ever. Wow. Yeah. I would never have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that either. Because it wasn't that good. (laughs) It wasn't. So that means that 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 means that in Japan. There was word of mouth. <laughs> Apparently, people were telling people like you got to see, you got to see like Mothra, man. You got to see this thing like Bathra and Mothra. <laughs> like they were passing this one along, yeah. right? Because like to to break those kind of records, you you need you need a solid grassroots word of mouth. That's that's big time. That's so weird. It is weird. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I didn't uh, – exposition. Wasn't that one of your things, exposition? Exposition is one of them. Uh, that's what – the human characters basically only serve to have exposition. The cosmos exist to explain Mothra's motivation, and the whole movie is just so predicated on getting that exposition out so that we can get back. I mean, it, it's a short movie. It's like an hour, 40 minutes. So, I mean, compared to movies these it days – felt like five hours. It, it does feel long. <laughs> it felt so long. Yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah. I've always felt. I think all these Godzilla movies are just way, they're way more exposition heavy than they need to be. Like, I believe Godzilla is a giant monster. I believe he wants to destroy Tokyo. Let's get to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like, I, 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 I feel like in the lore, there's got to have been some times where Godzilla's the the good guy. Like he's the baby face sometimes, he, right? Like where yeah. he's like saving them from, I don't know, like Mechagodzilla or something. Or, in, in the last or is one, he always the bad guy. Like, yeah, the last movie, Godzilla had to save us from King Ghidorah. And so I thought in this movie, like Godzilla and Mothra were going to team up. Like Mothra was going to pick him up on his back so he could fly around like an atomic movie. breath yeah. uh, battery to death. And then that didn't happen. I was just like, what the hell? What the hell is happening? Well, the other thing was, is that like, if Mothra has this power to like overcome Batra and like chill him the fuck out and like, you know, like get him to turn good. Doesn't he have the same power to do that to like Godzilla? And doesn't he have that same power to like also do that to, I don't know, like the world's axis of bad superpowers and stuff. Like couldn't he have like brought peace to the whole world with spraying his like moth cum everywhere. You'd think. Everybody would be like, you know, life ain't so bad. <laughs> yeah. Once Mothra makes uh Batra go good, it's like there's fairy dust sprinkling. There's all this glitter reflecting in the camera and everything. And it's just like, couldn't you have yeah. done that to Godzilla and made everyone like go home and have a good time instead of, uh, I love when they, they're carrying, well, like, they're carrying Godzilla out over the ocean and he like bites Batra and what looks like Dijon mustard is just pouring out of yeah. Batra's neck. <laughs> and, and then, and then the two of them, like Mothra made Batra oh. a, a good guy. And oh. then he's just like, ah, you're jumped in the ocean. Get fucked. Here's your sigil. You're sealed. Goodbye. Oh. I was expecting, it looked like the acid in Aliens. Oh, it does look like the acid in Aliens. <laughs> well, and about Mothra, like Mothra was practically a deity, right? You know, like his practice was like, you're back in, you're back in ceiling, Godzilla and Batra off to the races, back to normal and wait for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. My guess is that Mothra flew out into space and just directly into the sun. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. It is a Cause that's, Yeah, because like drawn to the flame. Exactly. So, I mean, we talk about pacing, but the movie's too long. But, um, so have we covered all that is necessary yet? Yeah, we have. Let me let's. Uh, so the way we sign these off is uh, Joel, would you recommend Godzilla versus Mothra? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely I, not. You got better things to do with your time. I, I agree too. Um, it's one of those things where if you're a fan of the franchise already, you've probably already watched it. If you're not, this is not where I would hop in. Um, Tim's Tim's little two sentence review was uh, best jizz montage that leads to a WWE match I've ever seen. My least favorite so far though. <laughs> so uh, that's three no's. Yeah. Uh, find a better Godzilla movie. Definitely not, not a good place to jump in. And if it is the place that you jump in, it's also going to be the place that you jump off. Cause it's, <laughs> it's just not good. So you're not going to watch any more Godzilla so, movies. If you ask me to, and, and I have I had to do it for the show, I will do it for, for, for my craft, for the art. 
for for the for the shits and giggles. Um, but uh, uh, if I was to uh, choose my entertainment on my own, uh, it would not come up in a million years. <laughs> well, there you there you go, so. people. Um, that that's it for this episode of Gabbing About Godzilla, the only Godzilla podcast that has released an episode in the last three hundred sixty five days. Until next time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that brings us back awesome. to here's what I don't get. Let's get into some issues, Joel. Joel, what is your issue this week? Here's what I don't get. <laughs> Devilish demon dealers. <laughs> Going back to the fact that we are in Halloween season here. Um, I had another I had another issue in place. But once you said that, hey, let's keep the theme rolling. I, I gave it some thought and, uh, yeah, what I mean by devilish or demon dealers are people who do deals with the devil, uh, who think that it is, uh, cool or edgy to, to pretend to be Satanists or actually be Satanists. Um, and, and it's way more common than, than most people think. Cause they make it seem like it's like, nobody's into it. It's all a LARP or it's all of this or that. It's like, eh, there's, there's some people who actually do believe in it. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, if you go through a lot of the, like the celebrities that do, um, it's a kind of alarming <laughs> actually. So like, are you familiar with any, you know, celebrities who have like, you know, admitted to selling their soul to the devil for fame and fortune? Uh, I'm mostly only, um, familiar with the like rumors of it. I don't know if I've, if I know anybody who said like, I sold my soul to the devil to get here. Well, uh, like, okay. So the, 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 probably the most legitimate one, uh, I mean, you know, the one that people point to the most would be Bob Dylan. Uh, when he did a, uh, an interview with 60 minutes and he was being asked, why does he keep like touring? Right. Like, why are you still, doing this like what's the point of this and he's like well he's like i'm keeping up my end of the bargain <laughs> like what do you what do you mean he's like you know this is, this is not what i wanted but it's like it's what i what i agreed to do with the the chief <laughs> and he's like what do you mean the chief like uh, uh <clears throat> the, the ruler of this world he's like and this world and, and the world we cannot see and that's about as like as like close to the mark you could find of a celebrity actually sort of admitting that he kind of, you know, he has to, and you could probably like loosely say, Oh, he's, you know, he's talking about his agents and he's talking about his like record producers. I'm not going to get into what, what's going on with yay right now. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, his, like, it's, it's funny you mentioned that one. Cause like, he's like, he says, he says a couple of things and suddenly he's not allowed to be on social media. He has no banks. Nope. His agents are all leaving. It's like, huh? Kind of, kind of starting to lend a little crazy. What he's saying, uh, it's weird. Well, it, it's weird. It, it, it's funny, like because there was that, uh, there was that Norm Macdonald. Like I, I love my, I love like watching old Norm Weekend Update bits and stuff. And there was that whole bit where he was um, covering Marlon Brando, uh, like in the nineties. Like Marlon Brando sort of had similar issues that Ye did. <laughs> And, and, uh, and then he, he was like forced to apologize. And the, and the joke was like, uh, the joke was that, uh, Marlon Brando has apologized for, uh, comments he made, uh, stating that the Jews control 
Hollywood. And, uh, and after his apology, the Jews in Hollywood said that Marlon Brando is free to work again. <laughs> like, like, that's the joke. And, and it's like, you're watching this whole thing and I've listened to the yay thing a bunch. Like, I, I mean, cause I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the guy. I've never, never really been a fan of the guy. I think he's a clown, but at the same time he's entertaining. Um, and so I, I, I like along my drive, had lots of time to listen to his like drink champs episode where you're doing that. And it's, it's like, man, there's it, you, you know, we did a podcast, you and I, the last time was probably pressing on like two and a half hours. It was a long one. Uh, his, his was like three and a half hours, but like, uh, going back to it, it was like, I mean, there's a lot of times where people say like, there's that figurative deal with the devil, right. Which is like, you sign a, a record deal and like, um, I think Courtney love, did a really good, I'm not a big fan of her either, but she, I think she wrote something about this, about how like a lot of the times you get these like one hit wonders that come out and they, um, they, they, the reason why we have so many one hit wonders is not because these people aren't talented, but because the record deals that they have, that they sign are so heavily weighted towards the producers and the record label on the first album that it's more profitable to the record label to just sign a new act that sounds like the other act than to give them a second album. Yeah. Right. So that, that, that is a thing. And like <clears throat> you start going into it more and it's like, there's been this like weird, there's been this weird trend of, um, for, for lack of better, this, this whole thing of like, if they're not Satanists, then they're not creative and being really like edgy for loser reasons. Like, like back in the day you had guys like Marilyn Manson who, you know, would be like shock, you know, like they'd shock everybody. And then like Marilyn Manson, like he had his tie-ins with like the church of Satan. Um, and, uh, you know, so like for, for anybody who doesn't know, like the, the first, like the church of Satan was written, was, uh, founded by a guy by the name of, Anton Levy, who went by the name of Anton LaVey. And uh, uh, he, like, he converted a bunch of celebrities to, to Satanism. Um, so one of the more famous ones that was alleged to be a Satanist was uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., right? Uh, so Sa Sammy Davis Jr. Became, became a part of the Church of Satan. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Jane Mansfield, who most people haven't, heard of her. She was kind of like the poor man's Marilyn Monroe with the bigger rack. Yeah. And, um, mm. and she died like a horrible death. Like she, she died basically in a car accident was decapitated. Um, and this is a, the running kind of theme that like, so if you know, you're like kind of, uh, you're, if, if you're, if you're a biblical scholar, or if you study anything on like spiritual warfare, which is, uh, this is not the point of my issue. I'm more talking about the cringe aspect of people like who think that this is a good idea. But like, if you look at this, like a lot of times when people kind of go to the dark side and then start like, you know, dabbling in, in demon stuff, it, it, it's not going to end well. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, yes, in eternity, it's really not going to end well, but like even on this earthly plane, it doesn't end well. Um, so for example, like one of the more famous, uh, guys who called himself the antichrist or called himself the beast and is rumored to be even like Barbara Bush's real 
dad or grandfather was a guy by the name of Alistair Crowley. Have you heard about this man? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was and he was in uh, England, right? He was like a spiritual yeah. leader. Yeah, but he, he was fucking awful. Like he was just the most putrid, awful human being. Like I mean, like bragged about like raping children and stuff, and like doing all types of horrible, horrible stuff to like and 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 like the 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 whole crux of his like theosophy was the name i think is that no he was uh, he's not theosophy he might he's like oto is the name of his like his group right and 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 like basically they had one commandment and the commandment was do as thou wilt right and and what's funny is is that like anybody who's like come through like the libertarian route of things like at its like extreme core lucid libertarianism is basically luciferianism right it's like do what you want to do and then there's no consequences right like Mm -hmm. and um and so like you get all these like wannabes that like have like completely idolized alistair crowley along the years like i mean again you've got like you've got your marilyn mansons but then in, in like the comic book realm you've got guys like grant morrison um, who did like, you know, Spider-Man and he did like, uh, Arkham Asylum and he, he's like quite, quite famous, uh, uh, writer and artist, uh, in, in the, the comic book world. Um, and, and they dabble in the dark magic and like, you don't need to believe in all this stuff. They do. That's, that's the key. Like they do. And, uh, and, and, and the thing is, is that like, it doesn't always end well. So like, uh, again, one of the more famous ones and again, not confirmed, but like there's been a lot of people that have said that they, they spoke to him himself. John Lennon was one of the more famous ones who supposedly sold his soul to the devil. He, so he went out and he made sure he sold his soul to the devil and, and for fame and fortune and, and talent. And in doing so, the devil told him that you are going to give you 20 years. Right? I'm going to give you 20 years and – Basically, like somebody calculated it out and it was 20 years to the day is when he was shot dead. And if you actually like his, his, his killer, his killer said something came over him and like he, he, you know, like, I mean, he, he felt possessed. And so like, there's, there is a weird aspect to this of like, Hey, you know, it's probably not going to end well. And I think you, you made a comment about Bob Dylan about like the fact that he's still alive (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that he's still touring and it's like yeah like to a degree like anybody who gets like, like uh for example like long life like there's this um there's like a, a saying that you would say to somebody who you think is like is like really weak and it's like i hope you live a thousand years <laughs> to kind of like learn how shitty you are as a person and 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 like bob dylan I've never found to be that like, he's got some good songs, but like, uh, I just like, I would say that Bob Dylan songs are all way better when someone else does them. Like Maggie Swarm, way better by uh, Rage Against the Machine, uh, all along the Watchtower, way better by Jimi Hendrix, knocking on heaven's door, way better by Guns N' Roses. Like they're, they're okay songs, but his like bland, uninteresting way of playing them is is not not good he is um he's not handsome uh it and so it's just like how how did this happen uh exactly my favorite version of guitar man is by cake or my dad my dad's (laughs) version of guitar man is killer uh but bob dylan's just like okay (laughs) 
Well, he's uh, there's two songs that I like of his. Wow, I just got some amazing lightning that just happened here. Um, there's two songs of his that I actually do like. Uh, one is "Tangled Up in Blue," and I, has anybody redone that one? If anybody's, if anybody knows if that one's be redone, yeah, uh, send it to me in the Discord. Someone did uh, redo that. I'm trying to think of who it was. And then uh, another one was uh, so you, I think you were mentioning the movie about a boy yes. the other day. And and um, I like another Nick Hornby film, uh, High Fidelity. Yeah. And uh, in that one, there's uh, a Bob Dylan song called Most of the Time, which is a great song. Um, but like, like I put him in the same category as like David Bowie in terms of, again, I also think David Bowie probably sold his soul to the devil um, for fame and fortune. Because a lot of times these guys, they'll, they'll do is they'll do this kind of like this kind of like free writing which is like, it's just nonsense. Like if you really like look at a lot of these things, like it's supposed to be like deep and profound, but it's not like, it's, it's really not like, like a lot of these things, like you bring up about how he's not that good looking. and It doesn't sound that good. It's like, yeah. And he's not that profound. Like a lot of his stuff is not that profound. If you, you know, you want it to be deep, but it's like, it's like abstract art where you, you know, it's like, it's like the whole emperor has no clothes thing. Like you're <laughs> supposed to like, you're supposed to like it, but you, you know, it's not really that great. And, um, but yeah, the John Lennon one blows my mind a bit. But like, like, so if you look at like, there's like Beatles images where they're like dangling upside down crosses or like holding like a bunch of like bloody baby dolls with like their heads taken off and stuff like that. And it's like, what was the, what was the purpose of, of that, of that photo shoot? And like, there's like, um, there's some people who do some pretty good work online that show even like the modern artists that do it, like. Like there's a lot of accusations about Jay-Z and Beyonce and Rihanna um, that Travis Scott uh, Astro World, uh, you know, a, a thing that happened that, you know, like a bunch of people died at that. Like you look at the imagery that they choose and it was like there's so there's like um, there's some artwork that is depicting hell. It's a classic artwork, but like people are walking through like what is like a giant face like opened up with the mouth. And like that's what the entrance to Astro World was, was his head, like that thing. And then they had flames shooting out of the stage and it was like, see you on the other side. And all this kind of stuff was like, okay, if you're just being edgy, it's like, can you guys like dip into another pool for a little while? Cause you seem to be doing this a lot. And there's like a lot of these, like even like Katy Perry uh, and like Madonna, they, they always have, like, if you see them at like either like Super Bowl performances or like video music awards or grant, like all those kind of things. They always do these like weird out of the, like just out there performances with like people with like black veils over their eyes or, or they're like made to look, look like an apocalyptic thing with like gas masks and stuff like this. Like, it's like, guys, what are you doing? Like, this is like, I don't, it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's tiresome and cringy and, and, and the world sucks enough as it is. We don't need a reminder from like our like pop culture icons to show us how much it sucks. And like Lady Gaga. So Lady Gaga is like one of the most, you know, uh, obvious ones. And she's, she's like, you know, again, like if they're just joking, like get a new joke. Oh, uh, cause she was on Lady Gaga, Go Lady Gaga, I believe more than any of the others, because, um, I, do you know what Lady Gaga did before she became like famous for being Lady Gaga? Nope. Christian spirituals. Oh, she was like, a, oh. she's, she's actually a very competent piano player and she would, yes. she would dress normal. She played piano. She sang beautifully. 
Christian hymns. Never made it anywhere. Yep. Suddenly started like dressing herself in meat. Yep. Huge fan. And hanging out with Marina Abramovich. Hanging out with Marina Abramovich, who does spirit cooking and like and like holds bloody goat heads. Uh, you know, like like I mean, like again, like if you're just being an edge lord, please stop. It's gross. It makes me want to throw up. <laughs> and and like um, uh, so even going back to like our so like everybody's like you know the whole uh like right before the election, right before the uh, the Trump Clinton election. Right. There was like WikiLeaks that came out of Clinton emails and like Clinton herself didn't have anything super duper incriminating. Podesta had a couple of weird things in there. But like Cheryl Mills, who was I don't know if she was like one of her top lawyers or one of her top staffers, but like she signed off on a thing saying basically like, you know, uh, I'm I'm with a lucky rabbit's foot. I'm going to sacrifice a chicken to Moloch in the garden tonight. It's like. And that was just like all she wrote in the, it's like, it's like, I, I get it. That's probably code, but like, couldn't you guys pick a different code to, to like work with? Cause this is like, ah, what do you, what is wrong with you people? And, and the other thing that really weirds me out is when celebrities like trip over themselves to defend Satanism or Luciferianism. So for example, Hillary Clinton's idol, like her, like, you know, she wrote, I, I believe she wrote a paper on Saul Linsky. Yeah. Saul Linsky. And then yeah. Saul Linsky dedicated rules for radicals to, to Lucifer. the first rebel, Lucifer. Yeah. And then on top of it, we've got like, so the UN, the UN for a long time has had an influence from a group that was started by a, another new age weirdo named Alice Bailey, who, um, uh, was influenced by uh, another na- lady by uh, Madame Blavatsky. And again, all of these people are total Satanist weirdos. And, um, and they, they built a group called the Lucifer trust, you know, like that doesn't ring any bells or anything. They, the Lucifer trust. And because like people got caught wind of it and didn't like it so much, uh, they changed it to the Lucis trust. And they're like, <laughs> Oh, just need light. And, and, and then this, this Lucis trust has a, like a meditation room. So, so like a prayer room in the United Nations, which apparently they've done all types of weird stuff to it to make it the most quiet room. Like there's no noise, uh, like no ambient noise or anything like that in this room when you go in there. And people have said they've been absolutely completely and totally creeped out by it whenever they go in there. And then, like, again, with these, like, the, the, the leaders that we have, they have these, like, weird-ass, like, murals and stuff. Uh, like, at the UN, if you look, if, if you look up the, the UN mural behind the General Assembly of the UN, they have the weirdest mural of, like, like just, like, people in cages and, like, and like just this weird, ah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I could go into that with, like, the Denver airport stuff, but at the same time, again, like, I don't want to get super-duper tinfoil hatty. I'm just saying <laughs> that shit's there. It's right in front of you, and and even if it, there was an explanation behind it, it's just tasteless, yeah. and it's not beautiful. It's kind of gross. And, um, and, 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 like, okay, have you ever heard of the West Memphis Three? I've heard the name, but I don't know the story. Okay, so the West Memphis Three were, like, three teenagers who like they, they killed and like sodomized and did all types of stuff. This like little boy. 
and like a few of them, and then they like one of them fully confessed to it. The other one like basically confessed to it. And again, another guy who like wrote about Aleister Crowley a bunch of times and stuff. And and like these guys were in prison for a while. And then a bunch of fuckhead celebrities like Johnny Depp and like um, oh, who else was in there? Like the Dixie Chicks and stuff. Like they all like started this campaign to like you know free the West Memphis Three. You know they were just like outcasts and weirdos like us and they were just basically going to be artists and stuff like that like i mean you you guys in your satanic panic are the reason why these people are in prison it's like you know the satanic panic had like a real thing behind it like there was a it was based on a daycare in california i, I forget the name it was like mclean or mccluskey or something like that the, this daycare they, they had all these testimonies from these kids and they they, you know, they, they, they were claiming that they were being taken through secret tunnels to uh, a secret room underground where they were abused. And like all these kids described the same thing. And then like the defense of like Hollywood, they're like, oh, it was a big witch hunt. And they were just, it was just these parents and these psychologists all coaching the kids. Not true. The, the investigators went back and they, they legitimately found fucking tunnels that went from building to building. And so it's like, it's like, I don't get this thing where we have to like defend pure evil, right? Like, like there's no reason to defend pure evil in any case at all. And, and, and like, it's not edgy. It's not cool. It's like, it, it, it's just, just, it really tells you how toxic and poisoned our society is when this, this keeps happening. And like, uh, have you heard about like after school Satan? It's like a, it's like a mm -hmm. extracurricular group and stuff like that. Again, like you're just being edgy and stuff like that, but I don't know. I guess I, I, I probably hit enough of the points of this to, to make my point, but I, I, I do find it always super cringy. I, I get it from like a, you know, like I get it sort of from a Marilyn Manson, Alice Cooper, Ozzy Osbourne sort of way. Like, I mean, I get it. Like you were trying to get kids who are rebelling, but it's when you dabble in the real stuff, uh, and like, uh, same thing with like this rise in witchcraft, you know, it's like people say, Oh, well, you know, you believe in witches, witches believe in witches. <laughs> and, like, and it's like, you know, like there's like Wicca and, and pagan stuff and, and there's white witches and good witches and bad witches and like, hexes and all these ones who are putting hexes on Trump and all this kind of stuff. When did this become a good idea? That's what I'm getting to. It's like, and, and so from a Halloween standpoint, um, I, I, you were talking about how it, it saddens you that parents don't take their kids out as much for Halloween. Uh, we won't be because we're kind of in the middle of nowhere, uh, but we weren't doing it as much when we were in Canada either. Uh, for me, uh, not like I'm not like a super prude about it. I'm, I'm fine. We gave up candy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but from uh, the origins of Halloween, uh, it is from All Hallows Eve. Uh, which is uh, hallows meaning saints, like hallowed people, like ha like like holy. Um, so it's the eve before All Saints Day, which is November first, and then November second is All Souls Day. And so, um, uh, from our standpoint, all the time is like it, it's. I know how much you don't like Christmas, right? Like yeah. You talked about how much you hate don't like Christmas. Yeah, and the thing is, is that like I went through that phase too, but I absolutely. I love Christmas and I love Easter and I actually love uh, the Halloween tide area era, but uh, for completely different reasons than I used to. 
And and I, I only like them for what they actually their origins were. <laughs> yeah. I love Christmas. It you know like we don't even. I get why you don't like Christmas. I, I get like the commercialism of it sucks. Uh, the the most of the music sucks. Uh, the decorations starting in October sucks. Because um, like from from a trad perspective, we don't even start celebrating Christmas until Christmas Day, and then we do it for like you know twelve uh, days. Twelve days. After. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't, we don't even put the Christmas tree up until we're on our way to mass on, on Christmas Eve. Uh, and so we try to put it away and do it the right way for ourselves. But like these bastardized versions of Halloween, uh, Christmas and Easter. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a thorn in my side too. I can't stand them, but at the same time, it doesn't make me like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Does yeah. that make sense? It, it does. Um, but I don't think it's a phase. I've hated Christmas for almost 15 years. So, you know, we're talking about ah, half my natural life. I, I want to go back and touch on what you said about how, well, maybe they're just like, it's tongue in cheek. It's kind of fun. And cause I, yeah. I do, I do that stuff too. Right. Like in my sound designs, I will put, uh, I, I will put sound effects that mean something to me that may not mean something right. to the audience. Like there was a show where I put in music that my dad wrote as a sound effect and it right. fit for the theme. Nobody knew what it was, but it meant something to me. There was a show where right. I took the audio of me on the Dick show and put it on as like a program on the radio. And it was, it was so faint. It was so in the background. Nobody would ever know, but I knew that it right. was there. And right. it, it was, it was like, it was an Easter egg for myself. Um, I, I was that hidden in plain sight stuff. It's right? yeah. Like and, it's, I, and, but like, I'm when I, I didn't like by coincidence, go find a sound file of my dad's music and go by coincidence, put it into this thing. I, I chose to do right. that. Um, right. Before I left my last job, I made them, we were using this Google document to track all of the calls going on. And I made them a key so they could see like how my stuff was formatted so that it would make sense. And I put right. names in there. And when I put the names in, I was like, let me start putting in some names and I need to make up some nonsense names. And instead of making up nonsense names, all the names are Star Trek related. Like the stage hands for this, <laughs> this call are Alyssa Ogawa, Amanda Grayson, Ben Finney, Benny Russell, Fred Noonan, Gary Seven, Robin LaFleur, Morgan Bateson, Naomi Wildman, Nicholas Ocarno, Rachel Garrett, John Talbot. But here's a funny one. The, I'm going to, I'm going to read the list of riggers and see if anyone catches. And I don't even, didn't even, don't even think I realized I did this until I was looking at this list. This is the list of riggers. Yeah. Garth Izar, Eric Pressman, Nora Satie, Benjamin Maxwell, Luther Sloan, Matt Decker, and Janice Lester. If you can figure out what all those people have in common, um, I'll, I'll tell you that you're a, a good Star Trek fan. Well, uh, I'm not a good Star Trek fan. So, but like, <laughs> clearly, I don't know. I, clearly, like in my head, I was like, ah, these riggers are going to get these names for this reason. Because I'm looking at this list. I'm like, yeah, I know why those fucking people have that name. <laughs> thing like it's like um like for example like you know people who think elon musk is our guy right like oh he's he's an edgy he's like our guy he's like he's putting out our memes and so he's like no he's not he put out like the guy wore a jacket it was a white jacket and then stitched in white on the back of the jacket said novus ordo Socorum, which means new world order right and it's like you know like he's just like either he's stuffing it in their face or 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 he just thought it was a cool jacket, but it's like, again, like why? 
And then, and like, um, a lot of these like music videos, man. Like, so, uh, I used to listen to this one guy who was, uh, a former satanic high priest who named his, or who, who goes by, the, his name is Zachary King. And he's got like great testimonies online. And he's got like really cool, interesting stories about like what he went through, who he was working with and all this kind of stuff. And he describes what like a satanic, you know, like a lot of satanic things are, are inver inversions of the Catholic like sacraments. Right. So, so uh, they do a black mass. Right. And instead of consecration of, of the host of Jesus, it's, it's a desecration of a, of a consecrated host. So like they'll take a, a consecrated host from the Catholic church and then they'll like light it on fire or they'll stomp on it. Or they'll, they'll do all types of stuff to like show disrespect. Uh, you look at things like, um, like the Catholic mass, uh, at the consecration, the priest says, uh, this is my body, right. Which will be given up for you. Mm -hmm. But then you look at like pro-abortionists and they say it's my body my choice this is my body right so it's like an inversion of something that was good and and pure and turned into something that is less so and then um if you look at like a satanic baptism or like what they do so like if you look at a christian baptism usually the person is dressed in white and then they are like dunked in water or 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 you know like there's there's water involved whereas a satanic one is where they start in white and then they are dunked in a bath of like blood or bodily waste or fluids and stuff like that. And then brought out and then they are changed into a black gown and then they renounce their baptism that they originally had from before. And so it's always an inversion. And, and there's like, ah, what was the name? There was like this Australian rapper who got canceled this like chick who was a, uh, a rapper. Anyways, her video had that exact ritual in the video. And then on top of it, you got like, what was it? It was a like, little mass X who had like his video where he was like, you know, basically giving a lap dance to Satan. And, and like, he had like his Satan shoes that he had, like he, he had like drops of his blood in the, like all this weird stuff. It's like, well, what's the, are you, again, are you trying to be edgy or what, what is this? And if so, like, like, can we get a new writer on set, please? Because I'm getting a little tired of the same shtick over and over again. And like you said, like, these things aren't accidental. Yeah. Right. They're not accidental. They put They're them put in, in there. On perfect. Yeah. And if you're watching a movie and you see these things in there and stuff like that, like, again, it's on purpose. Like, there's not a scene in a movie where there's like a, like a poster in the background that wasn't meant to be there. Right. They choose every piece of the mise-en-scene uh, unless it's like a really shitty movie where they're just shooting a gorilla you know, style. But most movies, every single part of the frame was put there on purpose. And so when you see these kind of things, you start to get the idea that <sighs> maybe we are living in a world where there's a bunch of fucking Satanists who are uh, doing th like what was it? Uh, Lara Logan who used to be on 60 minutes, she got like banned from like Newsmax, like recently, like from having any like more appearances on Newsmax. Cause she just basically was like, yeah. And the elites dine on like children's blood or something <laughs> like that. And like, I don't know if she was being figurative or, or she was trying to be literal, but they were like, they, like they, they basically, 
you know, the, the host was all, all about it and talking with her, but then afterwards there was a backlash and then she got the yay treatment and was like super tra- canceled on everything. And she's not going to be allowed on anything. And so it's like, I don't know, man, like if you're not saying something that is worth worrying about, why cancel somebody? No <laughs> right? kidding. Like just be yeah. like, roll your eyes at them and be like, ah, yeah, they, you know, look at how crazy this guy is. But when you freak out and make sure you take them away from everything, it tells me somebody's flying over the target. Yeah. Like, and like finding someone a billion dollars in a, in a court. Oh, the Sandy hook thing. Yeah. 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 Or, or they're trying for trillions now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's how they're going to pay for the Ukraine. Uh, the globalists, uh, so, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to take us down. Uh, so if you want to support the show, <laughs> you gotta, uh, you know, buy the supplements, uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I guess that makes ex- That'll end the whole uh, Alex's uh, controlled <laughs> controlled opposition talk uh, because we won't be able to talk about him anymore because he's basically been lawfared out of existence and uh, we're not going to hear much from him anymore. And uh, ain't that the way? Uh, so, uh, Alex Jones eternal. Uh, Alex, Alex will always be with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, make sure you get a Berkey water filter. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the- go, you know, infowars.com forward slash HWIDG. Uh, you know, we, we got uh, supplements. <laughs> There's, you know, all kinds of stuff. This time, It's hard to keep it on the shelves. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll be sure to, uh, you know. <laughs> so anyway. that was my issue. Uh, did you did did you have anything more to add to that, or do you want to move on to the next segment? No, no, uh, that that's it for uh, this segment of the Alex Jones Show, and that brings us on to <laughs> this week's episode of Here's What I Don't Get is brought to you in part by the Ricada News Network. Definitely not fake news. That's right. Okay, so I've got some news for us today. Um, from uh, so actually, I have. I'm getting. I'm getting Vinnie Paulino's sloppy seconds now, and Uh-oh. and I mean that in the best <laughs> the best way. Uh, gangrenously, also known as Alex, the newsman for the creep off um, segment. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Scum Parade has been sending me audio and speaking of. Satanists and human trafficking. <laughs> I was going to say. Fresno, scum, California, scum a man who set fire to his family's home and killed two young children told investigators he had no regrets and did it to expose a celebrity human trafficking ring. Defense attorneys are setting up an insanity defense for the defendant who could potentially face the death penalty. Calix and Catalina Hurtado were five and 18 months old, respectively, when their uncle set their home on fire and watched them dying Five months ago. It's fucking insane. Philemon Hurtado told detectives he intended to kill the kids, but his attorneys say his confessions are also his defense. As firefighters finished dousing the flames at a West West Central Fresno home, investigators found two children alone on a bed in the main room. They were both deceased. Both of them had a lot of heat damage on the top sides of their bodies. Dansby interviewed Philemon Hurtado in the back of an ambulance as the fire died down, and he admitted to setting the bedroom on fire and watching as the kids started struggling to breathe before their mother tried to stop him. I poured gasoline at the bottom of the door. I started the fire. She tried to put it out. She was acting very nonchalant. She didn't know what was wrong. She was asking me what was wrong. I knocked her over and poured gas all over her body. The mother suffered serious burns but survived. He told investigators he needed to do something bigger than killing himself to draw attention to the celebrity human trafficking and cloning ring that made him a victim in 2017. Millie Bobby Brown and Jake Bonagiovi both abducted me from the hookah bar, Hurtado told investigators. Um, 
his conspiracy theory doesn't appear to have any traction on the internet, but he made the same bizarre accusations on a YouTube video. And afterwards he told the police kids deaths didn't weigh on his mind. Uh, this dude uh-huh. is clearly insane, but yeah, I, I, we live in a world now where this guy's like, yeah, I killed my niece and nephew, uh, 18 months old and five months old. I set them on fire with gasoline. And I'm like, is this guy really crazy? Or are these people like actually doing this shit? That's the fucking world we live in. And I feel crazy. Well, the, the thing is, is that like they, those two things don't need to equal each other. You can, you can fight against this stuff without murder of your own family blood. You know, I'm, like, uh, I'm glad you, I'm like, glad you, uh, you added that murder of your own family blood because I was like, nah, Joel, you're totally, Oh wait, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, <laughs> it's just like, um, so, uh, I, I'll admit I listened to a, I did, I listened to it. You can cringe all you want, but I listened to this like podcast called Jesus nine one one. And it's these ex cops from California who like a lot of times talk about when they were like called to like a demon, a demonic possession, like case or something like that. And they've seen like crazy, like feats of human strength and like people walking up walls and all types of crazy shit before the exorcist gets brought in. Like these things happen. You ask your cop friends, ask your cop friends. If anybody who listens to the show, uh, sorry, sorry. We don't have any cop friends on the show because uh, black lives matter. Joel, come on. That's right. That's right. No, no thin blue line here. Please don't cancel um, us. But, <laughs> but the, speaking of which, Black Lives Matter. Uh, the the leaders also brag about uh, practicing witchcraft. That's just a, an aside, but uh, uh, that that is something that they have bragged about and uh, on repeated occasions. Um, but these guys talk about this like this is far more common and becoming more common than you think. And, and it's sad because like when somebody loses their mind like that, like, I mean, my thinking on this is like, there's a better chance than not that he was abused by someone at some point. Yeah. And I don't know if it was when he was a child or if it was an adult. I mean, you look up things like MK ultra, like that was a real thing. That was a real thing that took place where they worked on like how to like basically make a Manchurian candidate out of somebody by like breaking down their mind and then building them back up by giving and soldiers like, tons it, of drugs, psychedelics to yes, try and control their brains. Too. Yeah. Or like sleep deprivation or like, like brainwashing or breaking down, like creating a multiple personality. I mean, like, again, going back to uh, celebrities, like, I, I don't know if you've seen that. I, I think it was 60 minutes or maybe it was like 2020 interview of like Britney Spears where she gets like really weird out of the blue and she starts like talking in like a different voice and like, like breaks character. And like, she's like, I don't know where that came from. And she starts crying afterwards. Like, it's really sad. Like she's clearly messed up. And then, um, and then like, I don't know if you saw like Anna Nicole Smith, like in her late year, like in like her last year of being alive, like she was doing weird drugged out things where she had like clown makeup on and she's talking nonsense into the camera and stuff. Like it was like, like this stuff does happen to people. Like your mind gets broken. And uh, the MK Ultra thing, though they claimed it got shut down, it got moved to Canada. So you can actually see that it got moved to Canada in to Montreal, McGill University. Oh, to just Nova. like uh, Project Blue Book, you know, Project oh, uh, uh, the so the UFO people. This is what I know about. I don't know as much about you. MK, oh, is MK it Blue Ultra. Book or Blue Beam? 
Project Blue Book. Uh, it was Project okay. S- S- Signal, and then it was Blue Book, and so it like changed names over the time. But it was all essentially the same thing, which was a private uh, classified segment of the Air Force that was dedicated to investigating reports of UFOs, and it was all like very top secret until one day it wasn't. And yeah, and and I I 100% believe that when you see things like this, um, it's a magician, right? A magician, uh, they they take something, they have it in their left hand, they close their left hand, and then they point at their left hand and it's gone. And somewhere in there, they've drawn your attention away and then back to the left hand because they want you to see what the left hand's doing. The right hand is the one that's actually doing all the magic. Um, and, and so when you see these kinds of stories, like I feel bad for this guy, I feel bad for the family. I feel bad for everything, but it feels like a distraction. It feels like they're trying to distract us. Well, it goes back to like the whole, like the quote unquote Pizzagate thing. Right. So, um, there was like that guy that like actor who came to Washington DC, went to comic ping pong pizza and like shot up the place. Right. Cause he was thought that he was going to go and free a bunch of kids that were there. Right. And conveniently, he only shot like shots into the office and just happened to uh, blow holes in the tower of the, of the computer that was there. And the computer was ruined. And that was it. Yeah. And that was the only thing that was harmed was the computer that had all their files on it was blown away by this actor who came there. And then all of a sudden, from then on, it was you know, pretty much illegal or like you, you get canceled for talking about it. Probably getting canceled for, for me even just mentioning it by name. Oh, but they're I'm sending saying, they're yeah. sending black ops teams into Paraguay right now. That's why your par- your power's out. It's not like a storm. That's why my st- Al Gore yeah, used exactly. his weather machine to start the storm, <laughs> and now now black ops teams are coming in with their UN helmets, and they're they're going to kick down your door. They're going to they're oh, yeah, going to take yeah. you. And you got to send all those resources this way. I'm a good use of resources. Wacky yeah. Canadian. Don't come the to St. Louis. Is that, that, There's nothing in St. Louis for legit. you. <laughs> that is legit. If you look at the mainstream media articles about it, where did the bullets hit of the gunman who came into Comet Ping Pong? They shot through the door the, the, and, and only hit the computer tower that was in the office of the thing. That's yeah. it. That's all, that's all that was hit. I didn't make that up. That you can look it up yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then like uh, – so like these, these poor people, like man, I, like there was the there was the – there was another scandal – of like trafficking there's been a bunch of them man yeah there's yeah. been a bunch of them and, where, and uh, it's all it's all just distraction to draw your attention away from like whatever whatever important thing is happening they they give you this like little scandal they give you a white girl that's kidnapped they give you some kids that got killed accidentally there's a school shooting and it's all to yep. draw your attention away from the actual important things going on because that's what the news media does and that's all it yeah, it's mind control. It's mind control. And speaking <laughs> of distractions and mind control, Joel, do you have Netflix? I haven't had Netflix since 2017. Oh, me. I, I don't know if it's 2017, but it's about that same time. Um, I canceled okay. Netflix somewhere around there. I want to say, I think I, I canceled it at uh, Dear White People. That was it. That was that was the that was the that was the linchpin for me. I was done. I do, I, I I'm was trying like, to remember oh. if we canceled before Dear White People or after Dear White People. But the reason why we canceled was because they had raised the price again. <laughs> okay. We were in college. We were poor, and I was like, I'm not paying fucking thirteen dollars a month, or whatever the price was that they raised it to. And so we just canceled it. And I've lived without Netflix ever since. And I gotta say, I don't miss it. 
But um, oh, yeah, no. this is from Shaltair1010 in the Discord, an RNN correspondent. Okay. Uh, Netflix is going to start charging for shared accounts as it's cracking down on password sharing. Um, during the quarterly earnings report this past week, they said they're going to start charging an extra fee to monetize sharing, and it'll be rolling out in early 2023. Essentially, they're going to start charging you 3 to $4 a month per, quote, second home that they have so that, you know, so... Back when I had Netflix, like we had my Netflix, you know, my my profile and my girlfriend had a profile because like I like watching Star Trek and action movies and she likes watching Friends and other terrible shit that I don't want to watch. And so rather than (laughs) my when I go into Netflix to watch more Star Trek and it's like, hey, maybe you'd like to watch The Office. Like I wouldn't. I'd rather kill myself. (laughs) I can put all that shit into her account. And now they're they're ruining it by putting it across anything, which is also, I think, going to fuck normal people. Because like so, right now I have Netflix on my television here, and the so reason you do have Netflix. I don't have Netflix. My mom oh. came to town a couple weeks ago, and I was working. They got here like during the day, and I had to work until late in the evening. And so I guess when they got here, they she signed into like every fucking streaming service that they have: Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, like all of these channels that were just not on my television anymore because I have Roku like were suddenly appeared and I'm like, I don't remember installing this. And I started clicking on it. And it's like, Oh, do you want to be mom, your sister? And I was like, Oh, she must've signed into these to give my sister something to watch. But right. I, okay. So they're all signed in. I haven't signed them out. I figured at some point they'll get auto signed out. Cause I have a Plex server that I just, I torrent my stuff to my Plex server. I watch my own shit. It's great. I love it. Well, a Plex is the way to go, man. Cause like, um, one of the things that I noticed when we did have Netflix is that my kids, because like when we were growing up as kids, like like Saturday morning cartoons were still a thing, and like after school cartoons, and like you had like commercials and stuff, and you could only watch the show when it was on, like when it was on TV, and yeah. not like streaming uh, on demand. So like I I remember I was watching my kid as he was trying to pick out a show on Netflix. And he, he was like maybe like five, four, five, maybe. And like his brain was melting. Yeah. He was just like was too much choice. It's decision so fatigue. That's the that's the word is. for it. Yeah. And, and and so what we decided was like it was it took a little while. I, I decided at that time, I was like, okay, kill the fucking Netflix. Um, and what I started doing, because like we had a van that had like a DVD player in it. And so some we were going like long trips. Um, it was good to have DVDs, uh, to put on in the van for the kids. And so I just started going to like, like Goodwill and value village and like secondhand places and just buying up cheap children's programming of DVDs. And what I liked about it was I could choose the content that they watched. Like I could actually like curate, um, their, their, their library basically. Have have your kids watched Terminator 2 yet? Not yet. No, no. They're oh. they're 10 and 6 years old, so it's a little 6 was about the time I started early. watching Terminator 2. It's probably why I'm a yeah, psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Terminator 2. I I remember that was a a, a a rated M for mature movie in Canada. That was the rating. Yeah. And my dad took me to it in the theater and I I thought it was so badass that I got to go to that movie when I was I think I was I was maybe What year did that come out in? 1991. 
I'm guessing. Ninety. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. So I would have been. T- I would have been. T- I would have been uh, twelve. <laughs> or. Yeah, I would have been 12. That's why I like doing the show with you, Joel, because like I work with a bunch of children that are like, you're 31. (laughs) You're so old. And it's like I get to do the show with Joel and Buck and I'm like, God, you guys are you guys were teenagers before I was a baby. I'm the old man on this show, I think. I think listening to Tony and Tim and yourself and even Buck, I'm older than by about three, four years. So, yeah, I'm the the old man on this show. Uh, um, Yeah, because like I saw Pulp Fiction in the the theater with my dad. um, I saw Pulp Fiction at like 24 uh, with a girlfriend that liked Quentin Tarantino movies. Didn't care for it. Okay. Yeah, well, it was it was something. It was something when I saw it in the theater. It was cool. When I saw it in the theater, uh, it didn't hold up. Uh, it has not hold, held up, uh, nor has anything Quentin Tarantino has done in, in my opinion. But, uh, no, back to the Plex thing, a friend of mine showed me how to do the Plex thing. And now, then I basically took all those DVDs and put them onto this Plex. And now I'm back to the fucking decision fatigue <laughs> with my kids. So what I can do is actually shut shows off, like take them out of the folder and then put them back in so that I can actually make it so that they don't have too much to choose from all at once. And then on the same time I can, you know, I can put my own movies on and, uh, uh, yeah, I don't torrent. Um, I, I don't torrent. I, I, um, most of the time I just actually, I do buy the DVDs. And then the only, the only reason why is cause, uh, when I had my television show, um, I had, uh, my show torrented. <laughs> And, uh, and, and shown actually illegally in Argentina on a, ch- on a channel. And I, I, ha- I had legal recourse, but not the means to uh, chase it afterwards. And so I've actually been legally pirated before, or illegally pirated before. And when I needed the money to keep the show going, it kind of sucked. Uh, so I felt a little bit weird about, <laughs> about uh, torrenting for a while. But I do... Uh, that's why page. that's why one of your first uh do gets like i think that one of the very first bonus episodes here's what i don't get the your your do get was paywalls yeah yeah i i i, I uh, wow your memory on these things is quite phenomenal sometimes well you sometimes, know I, I torrented the episode so i was able to remember it pretty well <laughs> <laughs> you and you and jesse whoa whoa whoa, whoa 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 joel we don't fucking don't go throwing away around names like that. It's ridiculous. I didn't say the last name. <laughs> it's funny. It's so funny because I was digging through my uh, my Google Drive earlier this week, and I found this this uh, Mad Cucks video I did that was just a bunch of insults. And I found my script for that episode was in there, and I was like, ah, these are some good jokes. <laughs> it was the one that Man, I did shitting are- on a toilet. So figure that one out for yourselves. <laughs> I feel like I, I think I've mentioned this before. I feel like we should go back to some of the classic episodes and see if we have like addendums to some of the things that we've kind of brought up in the past. We have we still feel that way. We have done that. We call it. Here's what I still don't get, and we've done ah, it a couple okay. of times. Tim and I have done them. Yeah. Uh, we we focused primarily on like I focused on issues that you and Buck brought in, and he focused on issues okay. that were brought in before he was um, on the show. And oh, so, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. How, how wrong was I on? <laughs> I don't, we didn't pick anything we disagreed with. We just like added to the original discussion. I still, to this day, I'm going to put it on the record. I think the best issue I ever did, the one I nailed the best was United Nations. 
Mm, that's uh, a good one. With uh, with uh, blonde, I, I nailed it then, and I probably could nail it even more now after all that we've seen go down. But um, are there any more news items? Yeah, or shall we? Get I've got pitch? I've got two more news stories. This one's from Dad Cucks. It's from Texas. A janitor is accused of urinating in a woman's water bottle, which the victim claims caused her to con- contract an STD. Um, on August 30th, a female employee at the doctor's office in Houston noticed that the water in the workplace's five-gallon dispenser had a funny taste and smell to it. The woman dumped the water after drinking the liquid that had a peculiar taste. And then she brought her own 16-ounce water bottle to work after the incident. A few days later, the woman's personal water bottle also had a nasty smell and taste. Uh, on September 20th, the woman handed a co-worker her water bottle after, the, after he offered to fill it with coffee. The coworker removed the bottle's lid and asked why the woman asked the woman why the water inside was yellow. The coworker oh. smelled the liquid and concluded that it reeked of urine. Um, she spoke to a doctor who conducted a urinalysis on the wa- test on the water. The liquid tested positive for urine. Uh, it was not yeah. the office was not equipped with security cameras, so she purchased a small surveillance camera and placed it under her computer and left her water bottle on her desk overnight. The surveillance camera. Uh, captured a man putting his penis into a water bottle and then put the, putting the cat back on the bottle and placing it back on her desk. Um, and so now she has he an STD and oh. yeah, he, he worked there. He was like a night porter and he's putting his wiener into people's water bottles. And apparently it wasn't like, evidently he did it to the five gallon water dispenser prior to doing it to her water bottle. So he like really so wanted this woman like, to get whatever okay. shit he has in his dick. It's gross. Oh, so weird. Do you have that's that so fear weird. of like inadvertently drinking piss? <laughs> I, I, I didn't until now. <laughs> <laughs> I, as someone, as someone who's driven a lot of distances cross country. Okay. Uh-huh. I have made oh, no. use of this is going. I have met <laughs> Buck brought this in a long time ago. I don't remember what episode it was, but he talked about pissing into his, uh, cup at a movie theater and i was like you're gonna drink that piss buck that's a very dangerous thing um as somebody's driven a lot of cross-country hours like i've pissed into a gatorade bottle to save myself the 10 minutes of stopping i know a lot of truckers do that i have a there's one i took a picture i took a beautiful picture of a trucker bomb in rural wyoming once and uh like i cannot you have to keep that shit together. It's a very, very big fear of mine is drinking piss inadvertently. I don't want to drink piss. <laughs> well, it always makes me think of like the Joe Rogan. I'm pretty sure at some point in time has like had somebody on that like has like probably like touted the benefits of drinking your own urine. <laughs> or, um, I remember there was always those Bear Grylls or the, the survival man guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always a meme that always ends with something drinking your own piss. Um, and, uh, oh, there was also like somebody who like did a meme and tricked people online into thinking that like, like, okay, I, I'm going to apologize in advance to Tony. I don't know if he listens to any of the episodes that aren't his, but, uh, I'm going <laughs> to apologize in advance to Tony, but there was like somebody who tricked people into, like cleansing their eyeballs and like, yeah. And then like eye washing with it. And then like, it turned out of course, like the bacteria or whatever, like it like burned their eyes and they didn't do well. Um, that's all I can, why, 
This is the second episode in a row that we've been talking about piss. <laughs> We're always talking about piss, man. It's a, it's a, here's what I don't piss. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't have that fear. Uh, first of all, because I, I piss in a toilet like a human being or if I feel like it because uh, I own a big giant orchard and stuff, I'll piss at the base of like a tree or something like that yeah. to give it like the, the nutrients, or the nitrogen or whatever back. Uh, I don't have to worry about accidentally drinking it. Um, uh, although, I mean, again, I get my water from the ground uh, here. So, I mean, there's always that worry of mine that like, you know, maybe some – septic tank blows out or something nearby that affects my water supply, but that's not just piss. So, uh, yeah. Um, that, that, that poor lady though. I mean that you would, how paranoid would you have to be afterwards? Like, like even if you worked at another workplace, you'd be like, ah, it's going to happen again. <laughs> you, know, like, you have to have like, like the, like the nanny cam on your desk at all times. Oh no, you just drink, you just start drinking vodka, only vodka. Cause vodka sterile. If someone pisses in it, it'll kill it. You can just drink the vodka, <laughs> a clear bottle, drink from a clear bottle. That's what I would do. Anyway, uh, I got awesome. speaking, speaking of uh, gross things, the world's dirtiest man dies at age 94, just months after taking his first shower in more than 60 years. Amu Haji was dubbed the world's dirtiest man from his, for his bathroom dodging ways. Apart from aversion to soap and water, the Iranian, who is otherwise healthy despite eating uncooked porcupine roadkill and drinking dirty water from puddles out of a rusty oil can, who also had a <laughs> fondness for smoking animal dung out of old pipes, and four cigarettes at once. <laughs> Early this year, neighbors persuaded him to have a shower after telling him washing made it difficult to make friends or find a di- find a girlfriend. Uh, the Iranian why is he finding a girlfriend at ninety? No, and the guy hasn't washed in sixty seven years. That yeah, exactly. that ship has sailed. Uh, for the first time, problems. for the first time in a few months, villagers had taken him to a bathroom to wash. Such was his commitment to not washing. He once jumped from a moving car that men from a village had bundled him in to take him to the river. He also attracted the interest of scientists who were interested in studying what type of life forms might have taken up home on his body. But they were surprised to find that he hadn't suffered from any bacteria or parasites apart from trichinosis, which came from eating the raw meat in the roadkill. Uh, He didn't have HIV, no hepatitis. um, Of course He lived in a shack on the outskirts of the village of Dejga, but was surprisingly well educated and discussed the pros and cons of the French revolution, French and Russian revolutions. <laughs> and he knew up to the date politicians, cool. but also complained that the international publicity had made life difficult for him. The neighbors respected him and said that people turn up occasionally to taunt him or throw stones. Uh, but otherwise they seemed to like him with his death. The unofficial record of world's dirtiest man could go to an Indian man, Kailash Kalu Singh from a village outside the holy city of Varanasi, who has not washed for more than 30 years. He rejects water in favor of what he calls a fire bath to help end all the problems confronting the nation. Uh, This guy in India used to own his own grocery store, but his unclean habits drove customers away, and now he's a farmer. Uh, And there are pictures of this dirty man from Iran, and it is frightening. He looks, does he look like that monster in the like alley in like Mulholland Drive? (laughs) 
I, I haven't seen that movie. He looks like Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. But if Dick Van Dyke were a hundred years old when he was in Mary Poppins, he's just caked in filth. I see. When you're talking about this guy, all I'm picturing is Pigpen from the Peanuts cartoons. Yeah. You know, with just like stink lines and like just dust particles <laughs> dumping off of them. <laughs> that, that is correct. Just like Stuttering John, this guy has stink lines. Um, and that takes care oh. of our legal obligations this week. But you know what it doesn't take care of, Joel? The bills. The bills, <laughs> specifically the water bill to take showers. All the time. Oh, my power bill to bring that. Because that shit is gross. Um, and if you want to help us pay our bills, you can visit patreon.com forward slash HWIDG, which stands for. Here's what I don't get. Which is the name of the show. And over there, we have five tiers. We have the one buck tier, which gets you early access to each week's episode, plus our monthly minisodes. We have our $2 tier. We throw in random bits and bobs we do now and again. We did a review of Halloween Ends last week. That's out if you're curious about whether or not that movie's good. We have our $5 tier. We do our monthly bonus episodes. Here's what I do get where we drop the hate and talk about what's great. We have our $10 tier where you, the fans, submit a film. You vote on what film we watch, and we watch it and record a feature in the commentary. I know we're more we're almost a year behind on those, but I am going to be making those up in December. It's going to be a lightning round of movie commentary. It's going to be great. And then finally, we have our $50 spite producer tier where you get to say in the show, you can ask for a special segment. You can ask for a special bit. You can ask for a guest host to be on more than once in a month. Whatever you wish for us to do that we can feasibly do, we will do. And we have a new request in. Uh, and this is the announcement Ooh. for it. November, this is from Dealey18 on the Discord. November is going to be no hate November. All month. We are only going to be bringing in do-gets. There will be no don't-gets. I know it ruins the whole idea of the show, but I love the idea. It's the month of Thanksgiving for everybody who matters, and um, we get to, shame on you. We get a chance to talk about like those things to us that make life worth living. Uh, and should the show continue another year, November twenty twenty-three will also be. No hate November because this is such a great idea. So uh, starting next week's episode with Uncle Buck, we are going to be talking about what we do get, not what we don't get. And we might we may do some bon some bonus don't get material for people who want to hear us like yell and complain. I mean, I feel like I can still yell about things that I love. I just, you know. Yeah. You can yell about the people who don't love what you love. Yeah. Like Rhinestone. Fuck those people. <laughs> um, also, I'm hoping to get a five-way movie commentary of Rhinestone on the feed soon. Uh, get Tony, <laughs> Tim, Buck, and Chaco in all to sit down with me and watch Rhinestone. Tim for like the fifth time. Everybody else maybe for the first time. Such a great film. Love it so much. Uh, as everybody knows, it's the official movie of Here's What I Don't Get, not Ghostbusters, as some people thought earlier this <laughs> morn. Guilty as charged. <laughs> uh, but let's get back into some issues. Here's what I don't get. The final girl trope. Uh, this is a trope in film. So I've been watching the Halloween series uh, this week. Like every night I'll watch another movie in the series because despite them all being terrible, uh, I do enjoy watching them because we are in the Halloween season, not the spooky season as white women would like you to believe, because for some reason we can't say Halloween anymore. It has to be spooky oh. season. we got our fucking skeletons and our pumpkins. It has nothing to do with Halloween. It's all about spooky. What is spooky, you dumb bitch? It's called fucking Halloween season. Fucking get it together. Pisses me off beyond Happy belief. Happy holidays. 
Happy holidays. It's the happy holidays of Halloween. And Halloween isn't even like a fucking religious thing where it's like, I don't believe yes, it in is. I don't believe That's in Christ, but I do believe in getting gifts. So I'm gonna celebrate holidays and not quite shut the fuck up, every one of you. It's October. Time to talk about the greatest holiday that ever has existed, Halloween. And speaking of Halloween, the Halloween films are one of the biggest uh offenders of the final girl trope. And my problem with the final girl trope is not like Oh, it's lazy writing. I understand the purpose of the final girl trope is that you want to create a film where the finale is terrifying. Um, and if you have like a six foot two dude with curly hair and a drinking problem, you're not going to go, I'm scared for that guy. Uh, Cause clearly he's about the same size as Michael Myers or Jigsaw or the guy in the scream movies or Jason or Freddy Krueger, whatever fucking stupid slasher film you have going on, especially something like Child's Play, right? Like where it's a doll. I, I wouldn't be right. afraid of the fucking doll in Child's Play for 15 seconds. I'd be like, holy shit, that doll's moving. Oh, that doll's got a knife. I'm going to fuck that doll up. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the whole amount of fear, right? And so... The, the, but the final girl trope exists because we want that last like 10 minutes of your horror movie to be, you know, she's in danger. She's being chased. She's she's afraid. So we as the audience identifying with our like main character should also be afraid. And there are movies that handle it well. The original 1978 Halloween, that last little bit where she keeps like she stabs in the neck with a knitting needle and you're like, oh, my God, he's dead. And she gets the kid and she's like, you got to run away. And then he's like comes back up and, and then fucks with her and then he like punches into the closet and she stabs him in the eye with the hanger and he falls down she's like oh it's over and then he sits back up and then he's like gonna kill her and Loomis shoots him and he falls out of the balcony and you're like oh good he's finally dead uh, and then they look out of the balcony and he's not there anymore <laughs> and and then every movie since then has done that same stupid plot line where you go like, oh, you have to have the final girl. And uh, it's just, it's just so tiresome. Like, I don't, well, I understand. I was going to say, like, it doesn't have to stay in the slasher films either. Because, I mean, like, like when it's done right, for example, like the original Alien and mm -hmm. even Aliens, right? Um, like, Ripley is the final girl in the, yeah. in the first one. Yeah. Right? And, like, she's down to the last bit for a while there. And then she's the final girl basically in aliens and she handles it quite well. Uh, it works in those regards, but I know what you mean. Cause it seems to be an overdone thing. Cause like, it's not just reserved to the Halloween series, right? Like it's, it's, it, Oh it's, yeah. It's, it's all anything that has like a suspense or horror, you know, uh, Sarah Connor and Terminator is the final girl. And, uh, the the alien i'm glad you bring up the aliens one because that is another it's like the it's a perversion of the trope or a subversion of the trope where she's the like she's now the superhero final girl where she's going to turn her fear into action and defeat the bad guy which is even more inexplicable to me because um i'm a 6 foot 2 man i'm 6 foot 2 i wear i weigh 220 pounds i'm not in like I'm, I couldn't box another man, but you could put me against pretty much any woman who wasn't like a professional athlete. And I'd say I have pretty good chance of kicking her ass. So when I see like, uh, 
who is Sigourney Weaver, who is five, eight and probably weighs like 140 pounds soaking wet, take on this monster that has wiped out a whole ship full of dudes in a close and close quarters combat situation. I'm just like, this is fucking dumb. But uh, she doesn't do it like like the way that they do it now. I mean, it's not like she's like, you know, beating them with Kung Fu or something like, I mean, like she beats it by like blowing up the fucking ship in the first one. And then the second one, she beats it with like the, the Mecca, the, the mechanized, the power, thing that she was using. the power loader. So, yeah. I mean, like at least you've got those expo- like explanations. Like I'm, I'm more offended by Vasquez in, in the aliens movie than, than Ripley. Cause Ripley's still like, you know, sort of damsel in distress, through most of it like they keep her off to the side to like protect her and stuff like that so at least they do some of that it's not like you know like these more recent films like salt or whatever the one that was like or atomic blonde or mm-hmm. any of these ones where like you know it, the the female protagonist is beating the shit out of six foot five 200 pound you know like wrestlers yeah uh, but i think like it's a little different i think the final girl trope has has eventually led to that because people watch those and they go like, Oh yeah, it's great that, uh, Sydney Prescott and scream survives at the end and gets to like live on for the next movie. Um, but I, I, it bothers me that she spent the whole movie like scared and afraid and running away. I want a movie where Sydney Prescott is like the killer. And so then they make movies like atomic blonde or salt or Syriana or some other stupid shit. Or yeah. uh, or what the, what often ends up happening with the final girl, because you have to these sl- slasher films specifically, they'll never end. So every time you get the final girl in the next movie, you have to she's not coming back. Right. Uh, very rarely does someone like come back for multiple movies like you get Heather Langenkamp comes back for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. And of course, she gets killed in that movie. Uh, you have. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis shows back up for the 1981 Halloween two. And then in Halloween four, it's like, Oh yeah, she died in a car accident. And then she shows back up in 1998's Halloween H2O and in Halloween resurrection, she dies before the opening credits. And then she shows back up in Halloween 2018 and she's in three terrible movies. Uh, (laughs) And all of them are terrible. (laughs) And it's just like, because for the most part, you have to keep on replacing that character. Uh, because if the same character survives this like terrible evil every time, then you you start to like um, who's the what? Fall from the system, though, doesn't it? Like, I mean, like in, in just like the medium of slasher films. I think it's a fault a of- in the medium of film. Okay, because you have like, movies you mean- like Resident Taxes? Evil. Like the Resident Evil franchise, you have Alice, who is the damsel in distress and becomes the final girl in Resident Evil. And then like the movies just fly way the hell off the rails. So by the by the most recent one, she's like a clone and she's like a superhero and all this stupid stuff because she can't be afraid of damsel in distress for seven movies. Well, isn't there like isn't there something about like a little bit of a feminist push on these things. Like you can't have a woman be a pushover or actually act like a woman See, in, in movies anymore. And I think that's why we are getting, we're, we haven't had a good slasher film, like a new slasher film franchise. I brought this in a couple of years ago for Halloween is that we haven't had a new slasher film franchise pop up that is um, kind of fulfills those 
like the closest thing we have are saw or paranormal activity where paranormal activity is long, boring segment jump scare. And saw is what are the like 15 zany ways to die. And you don't have something like with the, the tension that a classic slasher film has like the original Friday the 13th or nightmare on Elm street or Halloween you know, those movies have tension that like slowly builds through the end. When, when Laurie Strode is like, has found all her dead friends in the house across the street and she's running back and trying to get in. She's pounding on the door for Tommy to let her into the house. And you, they just keep cutting to Michael slowly walking across the street while she just pounds on the door. Like there's tension there. And then she gets inside and she locks the door and she's like, oh, I finally we're safe. And she looks over and the damn windows open and the, like there's there's tension there that was what i liked about the 2018 halloween film was that they finally created a halloween movie that had tension once more and movies now don't have any tension because uh even even when they try and subvert the trope and be like oh our final gr- our final girl had sex so she's not actually the final maybe she's not the final girl but you know she you we can tell her name's the first on the list of people in the movie She's the final girl. Yeah, exactly. And like when you go on tvtropes.com, they try and break it down into all these stupid uh, subsets of of tropes of like uh, action hero, final girl, final girl, but she had sex, final girl, but she like smokes weed. And it's all this stupid stuff. It's like it all essentially boils down to the same thing. You're doing a movie where everybody dies and the last character is a woman or a woman and a man or a couple of women and a man or a couple of women. You fall and pray to the final girl trope. And even in a movie like um, Behind the Mask with Leslie Vernon, which is all about the horror movie tropes. Uh, it's a documentary movie for people who haven't seen. It. I think we did a commentary of it for this show. Uh, it's a it's a horror movie where it's a documentary crew following a like horror slasher guy and he's tracking his final girl for the whole movie. And then it turns out that she's like had sex. And the real final girl is the, uh, director of the documentary. And it's like, I fucking knew that when the, when it started rolling credits and I said, Hey, that's the girl from season five of 24 season four of 24, whatever season 24 she was in. Uh, I was like, ah, she's the final girl. (laughs) And, and then the movie's like, what a big twist. She's the final girl. Did you see that coming? Yes, I did. Because I have a queue over 100. And that like that touches on Tim's issue last week of dumb audiences. Right. And that's why we that's why we can't have good movies. Because we have to like fulfill these tropes. And when they, they try and pat themselves in the back for subvert. Oh, we subverted the trope. We're so subversive. We're so, we're so damn clever. We... <laughs> We turned this whole show around on you and we're, you know, we're fucking pulled a, a big fast one on you. Like, no, you didn't. I'm smarter than you. I took script analysis classes. I, uh, I figured that out. Thank you. Let's see about like, okay. So like what, what, what about movies where a bunch of the characters get killed and it's not a final girl? Like the first one that comes to my mind is predator, right? So like predator doesn't have women in the movie other than like the villain uh, stuff, but like you're incorrect. You're incorrect because in predator, they take the woman from the the 
camp. They're they're interrogating her. She's the one that tells him like the jungle came alive and took Hawkins. Yes. And then at the end, Arnold Schwarzenegger kicks the gun out of her hand so that she will be innocent. And who's on the helicopter when Arnold Schwarzenegger gets there? Final girl. Uh, but she. Uh, but but I was trying to say that Arnold was basically the final girl in this one, right? Because like because he got uh, killed in the thing, and he he was the one with the tension at the end. And he was the one that like had to hide and like, you know, had the, had the, 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 you know, the, the, that was the tension was all around the predator and Arnold. Correct. Right. That's yeah. So, no, no, I, I agree. Yeah. But even like you look at Halloween cause and I keep bringing up Halloween cause Halloween is a, uh, is like, it's the quintessential final girl phenomenon. Laurie Strode doesn't kill Michael in Halloween. Uh, Loomis, finally ends the confrontation in Halloween. So, but there is a final girl in predator. Okay, it's nice. just not the focus of, the, it's not the thrust of the final act. Gotcha. gotcha. See, this is the thing. When you told me you were going to do this issue, I was like, Oh crap. Cause I, I don't have nearly the slasher film like background as you. I, I pretty much have seen scream. And I think I saw Friday the 13th, Jason takes Manhattan. And uh, that's about my, <laughs> that's the bulk of my slasher film um, yeah. experience. So I was like, okay, well, like when you brought up the final girl thing, that's why my brain went to like, well, what have I seen that might have that trope? And I'm glad you brought up Sarah Connor because she's definitely the final girl. Uh, it's yeah. more so in the first one. More so. More so in the first one. Yeah. More so. But even like, there's like final girl asterisks where, you know, Friday the 13th part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. There is a final girl, but her boyfriend also survives right. or the love interest also survives. I don't know if he's actually a boyfriend or whatever. Like uh, the scream film, Sydney Prescott is your final girl, but also Gail Weathers and Dewey and uh, right. whoever Jamie Foxx, not Jamie Foxx, Jamie Kennedy plays. They all survive also. Doesn't he get killed though? He gets killed in the second one. And then in the third one, he shows up in a cameo on tape where he says, I had sex with a woman. So now I'm like, <laughs> I will, because that's a, that's a trope in slasher movies too, where like, if you have sex, you die. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I enjoyed um, the first one. I actually did enjoy that first one because I think the, the first three screen movies are all like masterpieces of, of the genre. Yeah. Cause like, also the fact that like it was played up with like Drew Barrymore on the poster and then she dies in the first act, right? Like that was, she dies before the opening credits. She's your like opening final. She, she's your like first girl or whatever your first kill. Okay, yeah. Which again. Okay. So like, um, cause like you, you had the first girl killed. Like I'm trying to think of like other genres, like Jaws has the girl that gets killed who's swimming, but there's no final girl in Jaws. Uh, Jaws does not have a final girl. You are correct. Yeah. Unless you consider Richard Dreyfus as the <laughs> final girl, because he is kind of a fag. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger boat. Because um, <laughs> because remember he he like he's in the scuba suit and then he just like floats down to the bottom of the ocean. He just sits there and then the main guy says like open smile you son of a bitch and blows up Jaws and then he's he's sitting there on his on his little like uh, buoy basically destined to drown and then Richard Driver shows up like 
I am also in this movie still. <laughs> You're like, God damn it. Can't stand Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> this is a good issue though, man. I, I you know, it's a, it's true. And I feel like um, might have to keep revisiting this with other tropes that we don't get down the road because there are definitely ones that rub me the wrong way in a lot of movies. And I mean, I think we touched on one even with the Godzilla portion where it's this over the top environmental uh, environmental, like badly written environmental sci-fi uh, stuff uh, that always gets me get gets on my nerves. But yeah, the, I, I, now I'm going to start noticing the final girl trope in other movies, and I'll have to bring it back to you if it if it comes into the into the genre you won't watch. Uh, I, I if I if I could find the the because there's going to be a lot of final girl tropes in in uh, westerns. Because uh, typically, um, well, women don't die in westerns. <laughs> Only men die in westerns, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they're they're innocent. Like the whole the whole trope is built on the idea that, um, so like the the prototype of the if we go back to Halloween nineteen seventy eight, Laurie Strode is like not not able to get on with boys because she's smart. There's the whole conversation with her and uh, the other girl in the car. At some point, and in, in, in they're like, they smoke weed for a minute, and she can't handle the weed, and she talks about how, like, boys won't date her because she's too clever, and there's a whole establishment of her as, like, a goody-two-shoes character who's above um, the sin of the other characters, and that is, like, what keeps her alive, and, and so, and, like, even your example of Predator, uh, the final girl in that survives because she doesn't have a weapon. Right. And that's like the symbol of her innocence. So we we continue. To, so when you say a Western, like women can't die, like women can't die in a Western because have you ever seen a Western where a woman picks up a gun and shoots at a guy? It just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. And and but in, and also too, like in a Western, typically the hero has to either die or ride off into the sunset. Right. Like they don't, they don't stick around either. So there's like, there's that yeah. going on. Like they, they, they can't stick around cause well, you know, this, this, the, the, after, after the whole battle has been done, this place needs to be settled and like farmed and well, you can't have a guy with a past with a gun, you know, around, he has to go somewhere else. And so, yeah, that, that is the, the innocence versus uh, yeah, their virtue plays. Really, and also too, it's strange, strange to think of a slasher film as a virtue play. But the way you describe Laurie Strode, it's it sounds like it's a virtue play in and in and of itself. Like, like if you have a vice, then you're going to pay the price, right? Like in any of these movies, right? So, um, uh, I I don't I'm not going to say I'm going to watch more slasher films because it's just it's just not my cup of tea. Um, I'm I'm with Tony on eye injury things, by the way, that, uh, boy, oh boy, <laughs> when he was describing those, I was like, yeah, I, I, I feel your brother. I, my, when you, I, did, did I bring up on your Monday nightmares thing? Like what my biggest fear is or no, did I, I don't, I don't think you did. Okay. And, and it's, it's the lamest biggest fear. And you know, like we laugh about it all the time here, but my biggest fear is, and, and get ready for this is the dumbest, dumbest fucking thing. It's, <clears throat> tripping near a like coffee table or or some sort of thing with a corner or edge and hitting it with your eye 
<laughs> it's like yeah. it's like it's like I, I I I don't know what it is. I don't know why. That, I don't. If that happens to me someday, then my whole life I lived with this fear for a reason, and that just is a glitch in the matrix. But like tripping and going blind by hitting your eye on the corner of like uh, uh of either like a pillar or um, or a. Uh, uh, or, or a coffee table or something like that. For whatever reason, that's mine. And so when Tony was talking about eye injuries, uh, yeah, that got me. <laughs> I was like, man, if you had that in a movie where somebody trips and falls and hits their eye directly on the corner of a coffee table, that would do it for me. I'd have to turn the movie off. <laughs> I didn't blame yeah. Anyway. Maybe they'll do it to all the women in a movie one day Only and then we'll finally get to live in peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, John Carpenter said that he feels responsible for the death of the of the uh, sexual liberation because of his like creating the ultimate final girl. But uh, good for him then. Yeah, <laughs> good for him. That's uh, that's my issue this week. And it. since we're starting to get like RF interference from um oh, from Joel's cell phone in Paraguay, well, I think we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, we're not gonna do any voicemails this week because I don't have a way to play Joel the voicemails. Another time. So we'll catch up. There is a voicemail for you in the thing. We'll just catch you on the next one. But um, until next time, I'm Tab Burt. I'm Joel Chaco. Catch you next week. Ciao, ciao.